Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. I'm Kevin. Angel, do we have a sponsor? No. We lost it that quickly, huh? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> One episode. No, 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 no Ray Shadow Legends, no I, no Blue Apron, no Audible, no... What What are the other parts? What about Mizzen and Maine? They're makers of fine pants and they promote Conan's podcast. Mizzen and Maine. I don't know. They the make other, like... The other ones, I see a ton of some pants. That, that manscaping razor thing that's like really popular. It's I like, need to get one of those. No, no nicks. Hmm. No, Learn a lot about Kevin right now. No, no cut gems, as they put it. You know, because it's Mi- like Mi- I, You know, mine was so much more innocent talking about pants. I've heard Muggsy jeans. Those are those are another one that I've heard. So all these are things that are not paying us to say their name, but we oh, just and Norton VPN. And we Someone anyway. always responds to VPN nowadays. The easiest way to find stamps without having to go to the post office. Mail Kimp. Yeah, Chimp. Chimp. That's Chimp. an actual thing. Stamps.com. Yeah, it is. They're headquartered by my office. Where you? Yeah, they have a they have a TV commercial back in the day too. Anyway, <laughs> this podcast has nothing to do with any of those things. In fact, we're calling this episode Encore Performance in honor of. Yeah, you uh, got to keep the random and random Nintendo. Sure do, but we're calling it uh, Encore Performance in honor of Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore, which is now no available on the Switch. The no edition, just Encore. Huh. Yeah, weird, right? Fire no. Right, yeah, it's just Encore. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Dragon Quest has edition at the end, huh? A lot of them do. Yeah. Sharp. I mean, they're Square. That's me. the only reason I brought Tokyo up Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore does not have edition at the end. But uh, Kevin's been playing that, so we have some early impressions of that as he dives into the game. We also have impressions of a little game called Bee Simulator that is, um, is it even a simulator? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. So what impressions What game isn't a simulator? Right, that's true. They're all simulating something either real or fake <laughs> yeah but i guess simulator is usually implying that it's trying to be realistic i'm guessing but i guess we'll and we're gonna find out if it be simulator is or not um if it be so, so kevin told me if so, so kevin yeah. told me if i make mm-hmm. any b puns that he's gonna like, i'm done i'm done talking that about he's it. done i'm done talking but about the podcast now you did now i didn't make that it. also that also is aimed towards angel as going <laughs> right. forward that, going that forward. you got you got, you got one, one free, <laughs> you only you got, got one. one freebie Wait. Only get one. That's it. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't a pun. That was a real word. One freebie. Anyway, that was not a pun, I swear. <laughs> anyway, the point is this episode. I was not aware of this games. rule. I thought it was just a plan. Well, it's but... just it just kicked All in. Right, but well, um, I'm happy with the listen, terrible just run one. Listen, with the encore performance pun because we're talking about not just the game, but also there's like another type of encore that happened, which is Nintendo as a whole right now. They're um, their financials came out, and uh, we're seeing what amounts to a repeat of the Wii heyday, like literally an encore of what they did a decade ago, like right down to 2019 holidays being uh, their single highest quarterly profit in the past decade, in 10 years. So uh, we're going to be talking about some of that and diving into some of that and how they've mastered the art of double dipping for monetization. And we also have impressions of Bi- uh, Biolith and Smash, first details on Pokemon Home subscription, service, info, uh, details on info. Yeah, that made sense. Uh, Animal Crossing news. A lot more. So there are timestamps around Nintendo.com on this blog post for this episode, which is 221. Timestamps under YouTube's video of this if you're watching the static image that is our video of this. But uh, to start us off, yeah, like I said, Nintendo's killing it right now with the with the, uh, with the the Switch. There are some crazy numbers out there. As opposed to, like, since it came out? Yeah, they're, like, killing it I mean, more been... than the killing they've been killing. Yeah, because as far as I've heard, they've always been killing it, or it's always been the best thing since sliced bread or well, whatever. Well, it, it is, but the, the sliced bread just, it keeps getting better. No, it's that, so we're talking, like, Wii-era numbers here. Like, this is, they are pulling, like, 
The, the Switch is now at more consoles sold than the Super Nintendo sold in its lifetime. That's at 49 million. This is at 52 million. It has already passed the lifetime. Refresh my memory. Was the SNES considered one of it's the... It's their third highest selling? selling home console ever. Oh, okay. And now the Switch is. Uh, it is already outpacing, or has already passed the lifetime sales of the Xbox One, the Switch. Really? According to an analyst named uh, Daniel Ahmed, who his firm estimated that the Switch sold in 34 months what it took Xbox One to do in 74 months. So, it's also outpacing where PS4 and PS2 both were in their respective 34-month marks. Makes sense. I mean, it literally feels like everyone has one. Right? It's like the thing... Half the kids in my elementary school have one. Half of them bring it to school every day. I only found that out because... But you had to take it away from them when they were playing it in the classroom? Well, yeah. Well, no, they weren't trying to play it in the classroom. They were just trying to show it off, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm taking this away. Because you want to play. No, of course not. I got my <laughs> it's, own. Well, no, to your point, that's everywhere. So I was this watching... This glitter glue on the exhaust vent. Like, oh, that's a... That's yeah, a well, I mean... The, that's I, a fire in the making. Yeah, well, I mean, this kid isn't exactly the the sharpest tool. Are you allowed to say that? Hmm? <laughs> Are you calling Smash Mouth? Yeah. This kid ate the sharpest tool in the show. I'm done with this podcast already. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, it's, uh, no, but to your point, they are everywhere. Like, during the Grammys, this is my favorite weird Switch appearance. During the Grammys, Tyler, the creator, with his best rap album, goes up on stage, brings along his, like, one of his buddies, a guy named Jasper, who's kind of been a supporter since day one. They work together, they perform together. The guy walks up there holding his Switch. He was in the audience playing Pokemon Sword and Shield because he was bored at the award show, and he brought his Switch on stage to accept, for when Tyler, the creator, was accepting his Grammy. They're literally, like, that, you can't get product placement better than that. So, yeah, they really are everywhere. But, um... Like, just the sense of, like, how big Switch has gotten. Like, if you keep it within Nintendo's own wheelhouse, plus, like, what Xbox or PlayStation did, it um, it took the 3DS 49 months to do what the Switch did in 34 months. It's moving at the same rate the DS did, but the DS had the DS Lite and that huge wave, second win. So, like, it's, it's... The only thing that's lagging behind barely is the Wii. So, it really is, like... Nintendo's doing crazy numbers. Like, 10 million Switches worldwide during the holidays alone. Year-long sales are at 20 million no system has passed 20 million in a year since the Wii and DS back in the day like they're really going all in the Wii was 250 when it first came out or was it, it was 250 it was 250 yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, and so the switch is $50 more yeah yeah. and like I keep going with number I mean I'll, I'll, I'll was it it's 300 it was 300 no it was 250 but no the Wii the Wii was 250 the switch is I don't remember so paying $300 for my switch but meh Sure. Yeah, I guess we did. Two ninety nine ninety nine. Technically, you saved a penny. Oh, I mean, true. technically, no. It costs three whatever. Three, well, no, something. the rest of that's three, the tax yeah. at the state. No, yeah, yeah, but, but it's not Nintendo's charge. Yeah, but as a consumer, I don't <laughs> I know, care about I know. that. Like, I'm like, I paid this. And much. neither that's did. How much it watch, I fold even more numbers into this. And neither did the two million people who bought a Switch in December in the U.S. alone, which is a feat that no system has done but the Wii. Like, my point is, it's doing crazy switch is outpacing itself by 23 percent worldwide right now so it's like you could see why like nintendo went to their financials like yeah the switch is doing great and then they raised how many switches they plan to sell between now and the end of march by one and a half million they were playing 18 denied 19.5 and i think it's for that reason that nintendo made a very unusual move during their corresponding financial briefing they commented on a rumor they outright said no and denied a rumor not the like we don't comment on rumors or speculation straight up no. And that rumor they commented on is the on-again, off-again rumor that a Switch model would be coming this year, potentially a Switch Pro, which, uh, you know, it was only two episodes ago in what, like, uh, I guess we're on 21, two, 219, 
uh, the 2020 Visions episode, where we speculated, like, is a Switch Pro going to happen in 2020? Where, you know, the whole debate was it would make sense against a pending PS5 and new Xbox, but, like, collectively, I think we all kind of agreed Nintendo probably doesn't need it till later, like 2021 or on. And, well, Nintendo agrees, because right there in the presentation slide, they said, and I quote, no new plans to launch, or no plans to launch a new Nintendo Switch model in 2020, period. Hold on. In that episode, did, didn't did you also, you, I, while you agreed with us, you said that it would happen, right? No, what I said was I could see why they would try to do it in 2020, but I personally think they're probably going to do it in 2021. I was saying they could do it in 2020, they could launch it Breath of the Wild 2, but I think it would make more sense for them to do it later, because they could ride Breath of the Wild 2 without it, and do, launch it with Metroid Prime 4, which is a more graphically intense game that could benefit from the 4K. Okay, I wanted you to be wrong. That's what, that's Sorry, what no. That's what I'm getting at. Nope. At least I think, if I'm wrong, someone compared this and that, no one's going to do this, that's why I'm saying it. Someone compare this and that, and tell me. And I'll, uh, I don't know, some sort of bet. I've looked Switch cartridges before, I can do it again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Three yeah, Switch the, cartridges in your mouth. Um, what? Three at the same time Three in your mouth. at the mouth. same time. All right. If I'm if I am misquoting myself, I wonder if it's got a more potent sense. No. <laughs> Apparently, the Chinese. So, uh, Rami Cowboy from Go Nintendo, he licked a Chinese Switch cartridge, and they taste exactly the same. So there's that, and he probably caught the coronavirus in the process. Wait, why would he assume it tastes different? Oh wait, because they're they're manufactured within China versus outside China. So they might yeah, be using right. yeah I forgot that. Um, that was a whole separate. Yeah. yeah, Tencent. It's Tencent. Yeah, Does yeah, Tencent like right. children chem- like chemicals to scare children? Who knows? But um, yeah, the, the thing about that quote about the No Switch Pro is um, it's not saying one isn't coming later. In fact, like what's kind of interesting is Furukawa, Nintendo's president, Shintaro Furukawa. Um, he showed this odd slide in the briefing that simply said beyond the conventional hardware life cycle or lifestyle or something like that, and he discussed how like traditionally this year would be the midway point for a new system for Nintendo. This would be the midway until they get to, you know, they start. Already? Wow. Yeah, like, because they release a system about every six years. No, I know, years, I know, but... And we're three in. I know, I'm just like, man, has it already been that long? Like, it honestly doesn't feel like it has. Right? It flew by. But here's what's interesting. It's gotta be longer, because he went on to say, Nintendo believes it built a foundation in which we can pursue further growth opportunities for Nintendo Switch. He didn't elaborate on that, beyond that. He basically was saying, like, the Switch isn't going anywhere. So it sounds like... Nintendo may see the writing on the wall that we've kind of talked about before, that like ecosystems are the future opposed to individual platforms, and maybe they just keep milking the Switch with like a pro in the future, and then they never necessarily move past it, or they wait longer, or whatever. But it's weird that he kind of like said that and then didn't really say anything. He just sort of like like winked at it, kind of. But for now, there isn't a Switch Pro coming. We were right. Pat ourselves on the back. Um, if any Nintendo lawyers are listening to this. We don't have inside information. Please do not obvious. sue us. It was just obvious. Uh, do, do you know why I'm saying saying this kind of jokingly, but why I'm saying, like, don't sue us? Are you starting no. to sue people again? Today, a guy who fished a Nintendo employee in 26... Or Friday, when we recorded this on Friday. The guy who fished Nintendo, a Nintendo employee in 2016 gained access to their server, stole confidential files about the Switch, and shared them on a little form he created. Um... He got he pleaded guilty to doing so. Originally, here's how not bright this guy was. Originally, the FBI went to him and said, "Please don't," because he was like right. under he was a minor or something. He's like, "Okay." Then he waited two years, and then from this was in 2016. He first did this, and then in June 2018 through June 2019, he went back and did it again and kept leaking stuff about Nintendo's plans. So the FBI actually arrested him, and he pled guilty. 
And basically what I'm saying is the Nintendo Ninjas are no joke. So, like, we don't have inside info. Please don't Have they caught the, uh, the Pokemon Sword and Shield leakers yet? I don't think so, but it's still pending. So, okay. so I guess the Ninjas aren't that good, but right. they're pretty good. Um, but, yeah, the tangent side about that, the, the question with Switch now becomes, like, what will Nintendo do to keep the hardware sales up if there's no new device coming this year? And they had three answers. I mean, they're kind of obvious, but they had three specific things they kind of went through. Uh, the first one's kind of the boring answer, honestly. In the briefing, Furukawa went on this whole spiel about how, like, the duality of the regular Switch and the Switch Lite, all these opportunities to cater to different audiences, make people buy it twice, all that jazz. Um, but he, there, there's numbers back it up. Apparently, the Switch Lite has sold 5.19 million, which, like, the normal Switch is way bigger, but, like, that's 5.19 million people who maybe would not have come into the Switch ecosystem, or at least a chunk of them may not have, or they got people a double dip. Like that's not only that, but it's also yeah. just released too. So yeah, and that's a pretty good number. Like that's like five million is nothing to scoff at. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, we, the, when I we about, dreamed of getting that much in four months. <laughs> I mean, it definitely sounds interesting. It just means that many people, I guess, were waiting for something or were just on the fence. Yeah, and it's funny. You know, it's funny because I had a conversation with coworkers. Did they really have that much of a problem with TV connectivity and the Joy-Con thing? Well, I think it's more like they didn't want to spend the 300 and here's the way to spend the 200 But I, And it's interesting because there's I was talking to some coworkers about it today, and this is kind of the problem that Nintendo's trying to address, I guess, is one of them was like, I really want the fully featured Switch, but I want to pay the price of the Switch Lite. And I think what Nintendo, like, he, he's basically like, I know if I buy the Switch Lite, even though I'm going to mostly play handheld, I'm going to regret not being able that one time while I use the TV to have that option. Like, knowing he can't do the thing, not having the freedom to do the thing is going to make it less enjoyable, which is silly, but th- there's some mindset to that. I get it. Um, it seems like what Nintendo's trying to do is figure out, like, how do they, what do they do to get those people on board? Like, what is the thing that would make them finally flip? And one thing that uh, Furukawa was saying is they want to leverage what makes the Switch unique to create new types of experiences, which is an interesting little conflict because he's saying they want to promote the Switch Lite harder, but then he goes on to say they want to build stuff around tabletop mode, and the Switch Lite doesn't have a kickstand. But you could lay well, it on but, the table. Yeah, and yeah. also, like, people buy third-party that's true. That's true. That's true. And, like, the time, and so. the presentation went through, like, multiple slides about this idea of new types of games that can use the Switch's unique form, which personally, that got me excited, because when I see that, I read, Weird Nintendo is coming. And then for Akawa, I evoked Wii Fit and Nintendogs and Brainage as examples of no past Warrior successes. Wear? No WarioWare. Uh, and I was even more like, but even without WarioWare, I was still like, oh boy, here we go, Weird Nintendo is coming, because like he's referencing all the weird ones. And then on top of that, he started talking about Ring Fit Adventure, which is like peak Weird Nintendo. And it, it, it was a slow build, but it's a hit now. Two million copies sold worldwide. The, num- uh, the ratio of players who are female to male is higher than other Nintendo products on Switch. Um, keep in mind, it's an $80 no, game that they're selling. Adventure and Smash Brothers. Probably. And, um, <laughs> and not only that, but like, they're selling at 80 Well, Star says they're selling at 80 bucks. It's still a multi-million seller. So like, that, that situation, weird accessory, unusual demographic in terms of compared to most of their stuff, like, that's the perfect recipe for weird Nintendo to keep growing. So I'm very curious to see what tabletop mode is going to translate into for for uh, the Switch or what they said they had unannounced games planned with this in mind. I want to know what that means. And like my first thought was what you were saying. You're like WarioWare. That makes the most sense. Just have everyone huddle around the screen, do some like one two switch style activities, but perhaps rapid fire because that's what I mean. I feel like one two switch. Like the problem with it was. It wasn't that exciting, and the, like it just wasn't that exciting. But I feel, Honestly, if you, I feel like I would have loved the game if it, a lot more if it was free. 
or just not cost sixty bucks. Yeah, but like, could, I mean, would, I mean you, but it's always fun for like, it's a fun way to introduce people to. It out? Well, that's like any time I play with someone with the Switch for the first time. Oh, okay. Like that's usually like a nice go-to quick party game, especially because you know, like that bottle shaking one is a nice one that accommodates a bunch of people, and it's you know you don't really have to explain anything. Right. And it shows off like the HD rumble. Like that's kind of why I really like. That was one thing I really liked about Game and Wario that a lot of the games just had you use the gamepad, but still had, you know, there were still five player games, but right. you just needed one gamepad. You don't even need the other Wiimote Switch. I, I'd be okay with a Game and Wario sequel in lieu of a WarioWare. The thing I think is Wario, like one two Switch, maybe if WarioWare had you like, because the, the really fun thing about WarioWare Smooth Moves was like the scramble of when you do multiplayer and not the fun thing but one of the things I really liked was the scramble of like yeah. oh it's your turn what move, what pose do you have to do and you're like really quickly trying to figure yeah, it out yeah 12 players oh pass the Wiimote to yeah this exactly guy. so I was thinking like if they could do that to one two switch and call it a WarioWare like sort of that simulate that we're all huddled around a screen like a switch and you have to like pass things and do things like that could be kind of cool potentially mm. but also now that you mentioned Game and Wario I'd be okay with the sequel of that or they merge them and do WarioWare Game and Wario that could be the very confusing name that you know bridges it but um i think another opportunity with these kind of tabletop games is um they're not doing much with the concept of having basically a digital board game like super mario party i don't know if you guys remember those mini games that like link you could that play late, yeah yeah like that was kind of an interesting idea and then there's been a few other things like monopoly on switch and i think there's like munchkin the card game has a switch something or other and there's like settlers of Catan, but doesn't have multiplayer like there's all these things that like like wait, even wait, the Witcher, the Settlers of Catan, or it doesn't have online multiplayer. That's oh, different. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, and like, way, yeah, no, that way it makes sense. And like, even the Witcher just launched their card game Thronebreaker, which they could have done a local multiplayer if they chose to, probably. Thronebreaker? Like, that's what I think that's what it's called. It just came out last week. Huh. I thought their card game was called Gwent. Oh well, I guess they launched a second one. Huh. There is something called Thronebreaker. I know. From what I saw, it's not the Lord of the Rings one. Is it? Did I just mix up? No, the, the no. Lord of the Rings one. I think is actually getting. Shut down. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm double checking Thronebreaker. What a twist! Thronebreaker: The Witcher Tales is a role. Po- oh, just kidding. It's a spin-off role. Ah, yes. It's the. It acts as the single-player component of, for Gwent. Oh, uh, okay. So. So it's an expansion that's somehow sold separately. Yeah. So the point so, is, so I, guess it's, I guess it's like someone saying like, "Oh, did you get, um, Dragon's Ascension from Blizzard?" It's like, "Oh, what's that?" Like, "Oh, it's just a Blizzard, a Hearthstone expansion." Yeah, except they market they're marketing it all. So yeah, because they're marketing like an adventure, but right. you know. But either way, like if we have like the Witcher card game, they, that that would have been cool if they did like a local multiplayer. That would require a lot of dev work. They probably won't. But I guess what my point is is like I don't know why more games don't take advantage of the fact that you can put a switch down and play chess or something with someone across from you or do something more elaborate. Like, yeah, actually, here's an idea. What if they could streamline stuff that takes forever to set up? Like, do you think? you play this a lot do you think like something like Heroescape would translate well to doing on Switch or do you need the physicality in your opinion I mean the physicality is like part of the fun like actually building the landscape that you build yourself having the elevations I mean because literally you build the map how you want and you could even like split people like split some pieces so that people build you know their side of the terrain to their advantage or whatever so I don't know you would definitely do some of it and I don't know building something like that with a controller is never as fun as True. building it or even a touch screen yeah because did you did you see that patent that surface for the, the touch screen for the switch like this is something else like it could be weirder than what we're expecting it might not even be board games so a patent surfaced um it's a joy con but where the grip is you know where you slide the grip in on the left it has a nub at the end and it's a stylus so you hold it like a pencil or a pen but then it has all these buttons attached to it 
So like theoretically, you do extra things while writing with the stylus, but it doesn't. It looks completely cumbersome and weird and not comfortable, and I don't even know how it works. But um, it's just kind of a weird. I don't even know if they're gonna release it, but like that's the type of weird Nintendo that I'm thinking we're gonna be getting. It's something like that. It's I, like I don't even know what you would. How do you? So it's like I need something that looks like a Joy-Con. So it's like no one can see what my visual age here. But if, if these are if this is the control stick and these are the buttons, kind of by the palm of your hand. Like over by your index finger on the top left is just a nub. So you're kind of going like this and writing, but then you're also like using your thumb. It doesn't make sense. No, I no, <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. Yeah, but like I don't know how that what that would be used for, but that seems like something Nintendo could just like. That's something for tabletop mode because you're not you can't do that with the screen. You can't do it with handheld. It's literally for tabletop. I always thought that they could capitalize on on like the sliding mechanism function more than just it being Joy Cons instead of. You know, get wacky with like the the type of controllers that yes. you can slide onto it. I remember before it came out. I know that could totally be an input. I mean, be reminded of like some of the oh, games an input. from. That's interesting. Yeah, like some of the games that can we play that like I thought it was kind of cool. There was like a game where we just hide and seek, mm-hmm. and one person hides Wiimotes all around the room, and then the other person has to find them, and they're just like making different sounds, and mm-hmm. you have to like mm-hmm. look for them. I mean, you know, like just weird stuff like that. Like I'm sure someone or there's like an indie game that could figure out how to make the clicking or the connecting of the switch controllers back into. Well, it's like, what was the game with the 3DS where you had to actually close the system and it affected the gameplay? Um, Hotel Dusk? Oh, maybe it was the DS and not 3DS. 999. 999 did that. I think Hotel Dusk did something similar. Hotel Dusk did it on the original DS. Yeah. Didn't uh, Zelda do it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Phantom Hourglass. You have to, like, stamp stamp your something. Yeah, but, like, it's just, like, like, that's the type of, like, take advantage of the form factor. Do weird stuff. Like, I, I like... I like the idea of the sliding mechanism doing something like that. Yeah. But to to your point, Kevin, about um, why don't they make wacky things, I swore they were going to do that. I really thought they were going to do that. Like Before make a GameCube like some like, modders have. Yeah, have you seen that? It's really cool. But I I honestly like because they Nintendo, don't have to because clearly it's doing well enough that they yeah, really don't have they don't to. need to. But I they don't, I they don't have to cater to us. They don't have to give us Donkey Kong Country. So wow wow bitter much no. But I was going to say that. Um, yeah, I remember before Switch came out, I was like, yeah, this is Nintendo loves selling plastic. Look at all the accessories the Wii had, all those silly controller add-ons that Nintendo made. I'm shocked they haven't begun to do that with Switch at all, and we're on year three. Unless this is the time they start, and this is what they're referring to. The closest we got was Labo. Yeah. Which and... is still pretty wacky, if you think about it. And actually, I guess Ring Fit. But like, it's not quite the same as like sliding things in. They're completely separate. Labo's the closest. I guess Labo is basically that, but... Either way, yeah, it seems like a missed opportunity. But um, what they are doing with Switch, another way they're trying to bring in money, and this is one that like I thought, I genuinely thought they would way before they did this do the peripherals. But they are going crazy with the special edition systems. They're they're going bigger. They're making it fancier, uh, and specifically in tandem with the briefing itself, they announced a yeah, very slick. They could have way made the Smash Bros. one way better. I know because the Animal Crossing one they announced for New Horizons is amazing. Yeah, can we like gawk over that thing for a minute? It's so nice. I don't like it, but you don't. You really do. Wow. Wow. Can, wow. Wow. I can I can appreciate it, but I what like... don't you like about it? The colors, the design. Oh, like the whole thing. <laughs> like it's just, it's just not my taste. <laughs> I feel, <laughs> I feel like. But it's like, I mean, but but I could see that like, I oh, like, like I I could acknowledge that it's well done for and, those, uh, people, But like it's just like it just like oh I wouldn't want that. For those who haven't seen it, um, basically the back panel of the switch has like a custom, pretty sort of subtle like gray on black, black on gray, um, Animal Crossing back panel with like villager silhouettes and everything silhouetted. It's uh it's like iconography from the game basically, and then they have these. What I think are amazing, but clearly Angel disagrees. And Kevin, I, I think you're on my side on this. Really nice looking Joy Cons. 
Yeah, I, I like the yeah. how soft yeah, the color they're, there. They're yeah, they're teal and mint green, essentially. But what's really kind of neat is they're the first Joy-Cons I think Nintendo's ever put out that have a white back. So there's that, too. Um, and then, of course, there's the dock itself, which um, has, like, this this little islandy art of Tom Nook and his nephews, Timmy and Tommy. So it's... Uh, wait, are those their names? Timmy and Tommy? Yeah. 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 So it's like... It, I don't know. I, I like it. I, I'm really into the Joy-Con specifically. Like, the the, the, the dock, I, I don't really like the dock, to be I, honest. I, I think I like the dock more than the than the Joy-Cons, honestly. Really? Yeah. I like the oh, Joy-Cons more than the dock. We all like different things. But I, I think the back is nice, but I wouldn't want on my Switch personally. But I do like those Joy-Cons. And over in Japan, here's the thing. We all like different things, right? Over in Japan, Nintendo's actually selling all of them separately. So if you're my well, Nintendo member in Japan, you can get the controllers or the dock. Um... I'm Japan gets everything. I know. You can, buy, you can buy the empty box. Yeah, You're about to yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I, I'm kind of hoping NOA will also sell them separately here. But let's be honest, of course they won't because they don't. So that would make too much sense. It would, but like, Good thing if, we're going to Japan. Eventually. I know. Oh, and they're not region law. Oh, maybe this will be my first second set of Joy Cons. But um, the 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 thing they are giving us here in the states <laughs> Your is first second set. My first second set. The thing they are giving us here in the states though, is if we don't want to spend a full three hundred for like any of this uh they're giving us the tiniest of compilation prize in the form of uh an aloha edition animal crossing new horizon switch carrying case and screen protector combo what's interesting here is this is nintendo themselves making it they don't usually make these types of accessories they send it to hori or power a or one of those guys like but they're do- yeah Man, but they're Hori's doing going it going crazy with those power like, a controllers yeah, with those, or no that's with not those pro controller designs yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, Nintendo just. Tim can't cr- trust any of them though. Yeah, you know what the problem with that is? Is Nintendo has the Nintendo's giving them the full license, so they seem legit, but they have the, um, none of the patents, so they don't have HD Rumble, they don't have the same control sticks. They don't even use USB C. They don't have USB C. There's like a bunch of things that they don't do because they're not official Nintendo controllers. But to an average consumer, it's like a cool Mario controller that says official Nintendo product on the it. Because the designs are seal. nice. Like I like the Bowser one. Yeah. I mean, I bought it. And then it stopped working after like about a month. So well, mm-hmm. just like after the just after I couldn't return it anymore, and it was like, well, that's how they get you, yeah. But then the Smash Brothers Pro controller came out, so happy ending, I guess. But it's just kind of like I now that you mentioned it, I feel like Nintendo needs to better differentiate. It still looks like an official Nintendo. It still says it's an official Nintendo controller, but it's not the official controller. And like to an average parent, have there only really been? Four like official pro controllers like Xenoblade, Smash Bros, Splatoon. Splatoon, and regular. I think. I mean, on some level, I'm surprised that the Animal Crossing bundle is not a Switch Lite. Like Nintendo seems to jump around between all this hardware and mm. do different bundles. There must for different be things. something you do with the controllers in the game. I don't know. In Animal Crossing, yeah, no. uh, they're probably probably mul- use it for fishing. They're probably they're use prob- it for fishing. Actually, yeah, you yeah, know what? They're probably promoting the multiplayer angle because one of the things that just came out about Animal Crossing is um, the entire your Switch is the island. So no matter which people are playing on your Switch and which profiles they have, and they're encouraging the social interaction, obviously, um, your Switch is the island. Those profiles all live on the same island. You're like collectively helping so grow this island. So can split screen? It can support up to four players on one device or up to eight players if you play online. So I'm guessing split screen? I'm guessing that's the only way that makes sense. I get yeah. No, well, I don't know. How'd they do it in um, City Folk? I don't remember. Because you could do that there too, couldn't you? Online, right? So then, yeah, I guess, I guess it's gotta be split screen, or it's gonna zoom out as you go apart from one another. <laughs> to the point where you're like, to the point where exactly. No, I don't know, but um, I wouldn't be surprised that that might actually be one. I, don't know, I mean, hopefully, that means the island is pretty big because I mean, one of the 
selling points of Animal Crossing is that you could turn your town or whatever into, you know, what literally whatever you want. So if you have to already share well, with someone... Well, to back that up slightly, um, the GameCube original, you shared a town as well. The, the only ones... All of them, technically, you share a well, town. It's just I, you're playing on personal devices like a DS where you didn't well, really share your since DS. since I've started playing them, I'm just saying what I've... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, like, they've always... Even on the DS and the 3DS, it was per system, not per save file. It's just no one noticed on the handhelds because you don't share a handheld as much. But And you could get around it on GameCube, to your, to your credit, Angel, because you could get a second memory card and put it in and have a second mm. town. I mean, there is some novelty to having, like you know, your sibling's house, like, there and just being yeah. able to visit it. But I guess it, I don't know, I guess it depends on like, the proximity that there are to each other because then it's like, wait, what if we're in the same, like, area and they're like, oh, I want to make the road go this way and then they're like, no, I want the road designed this way, so. I don't Welcome know. to uh, democracy. No, yeah, I, I get your point. And it, it's fine because the, the, the conversation we're having is basically the one that's happening online with people where they're like, oh, this is bad or oh, this is good. Like, personally, I don't, think it's that bad I, like i kind of you're like, also uh, an only child this is true no but i was gonna say like, yeah, 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 literally I, not gonna I, you but I, do, I do like the idea of like a community style island where everyone does their own little thing but simultaneously they're all helping build up the island together it's like more it's like co-op sim city almost like i kind of i kind of like kinda it. kinda it's a bit of a gimmick too though because then if like say i don't know i just get busy and i just haven't really had a chance to play it Right. And I know Albus is gonna really get into it because we really get into our Animal Crossings, and then he, let's say during that month that I don't get to play, and I come back, and I'm like, oh, I guess the island is already complete. All right, well, yeah, no, that's a good point. Maybe they should have made it a toggle where you could choose if you want like a cooperative island or not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for I, me- I appreciate the option, but then I don't know. It's weird. It's it's an interest. I mean, it, it's typical to series. It's just so many people are being introduced to it for the first time because City Folk was the worst selling Animal Crossing. Not not saying it didn't do well, but like it was the least selling of the bunch. The GameCube one not wasn't as big anywhere near as big as the current one. So there's so many people that came in on the DS one and New Leaf and don't I mean, is know. It typical of only that half the series have done that. What I mean is it typical of only half the series have done that. They all have. It's just you don't share your DS. That's a, that's I don't a, think that's necessarily true, but isn't there just one file on the 3ds? I think it's persistent too. I might be wrong. Actually, I'm pretty sure the DS and Wild World just had that one file. Now with it, yeah. I don't think that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it was. Yeah, it's by cartridge. Yeah, because they saved to the cartridge. You're right. Opposed to the system. Mm. Well, either way, um, I don't. I I do think for Nintendo it kind of makes sense that they're doing this because like. It falls right into their plan of how you sell the Switch Lite, because uh, if you want multiple islands, guess what? Buy a Switch Lite, have a second Switch in your home, one Switch per person, not one Switch per household, which is what Furukawa and before him, Kimishima, both wanted to achieve. So it's a weird, backwards way of doing things. But um, yeah, and it would be the game they would do it th- that with, because Nintendo is pushing Animal Crossing so hard. Like, they know they have a hit in their hands. Have you seen the cool pre-order I mean, stuff they're doing? It feels like a doing? plus for kids. Like Yeah, yeah. But have you have you seen the pre-order stuff they're putting out there for Animal Crossing? Yeah, if you not. get if you get it at Target physical, you I know 
if you get a target physical, you get a basically a mole skin that's Animal Crossing themed that has a calendar and everything in it. Oh, and like literally one of the worst games to get physical too. And then we'll see. That's right. <laughs> and if you do it, <laughs> don't get physical with Animal Crossing. <laughs> and then uh, if you get it Best Buy, you get this weird like Tom Nook like adhesive thing for your phone. It's like a little three D stickery plastic thing that like clings to your phone or any electronic okay. you want. Not quite so as cool. far nothing good. But well, the mole skin's kind of cool because apparently some of the like in game events and stuff are listed in the calendar on oh. it. But moleskin, like the the journal like a, book thing oh, okay. with the band, it's not really a moleskin. It's like a knockoff, but it's still, it's still, it's Animal Crossing style. It looks no longer nice. shit. But I, I to to oh, to, I to be real, Angel, you made you just said the worst game to get physical with, and I'm gonna put on my tinfoil hat for a moment. I didn't think physical with to get physical. Whatever, to get, yeah, I I added a word that changed the meaning entirely. But I'm gonna put on my tinfoil <laughs> hat for a moment. I do wonder. These are some of the best, like, or most elaborate pre-order things Nintendo's done for a game in a long time. And I do wonder if Nintendo's going above and beyond with the, these items because they know this is one of the highest profile releases of the year, yet almost everyone, excluding weirdos like me, are going to buy it digitally. And they don't want to upset their retail partners, who of course want a piece of such a big release pie, that they're kind of splurging a little on premium items the same way that all the indie games do where they bundle stuff in the box just to try and keep those guys happy because they know this the is pretty literally cool. one of the single biggest games of the year. I'll, 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 I'll give them that. The the journal is... Right, the journal's very nice. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my conspiracy that's, that's theory. A, that's that's why... an actual really cool pre-order. The Best Buy one... It's kind of whatever. I know. But that's my that's my theory. That's why I think that journal is that nice is Nintendo's trying to be like, no, don't feel bad, Best Buy. Are you in Target? I mean, it's like just an actual... Yeah, it's really nice. He's yeah. swiping through photos on his phone. Just it does look. It does look pretty nice. Yeah, that's from that's Target. Yeah, I pre-ordered Best Buy the day before they announced that, but I might actually switch because that's a nice journal. Ha! Huh, I might it's, switch because it's, it's on the switch. It is a shame that <clears throat> oh, man. Still though, this is like the worst game to get physical though. Right, and that's why I think they're doing this because they're trying to get a few people to throw their money target. The weak-willed ones like Jason. Well, I was gonna buy a physical anime because all my games are physical. Exactly. It's but not like, why not just? St- I'm very stubbornly strong-willed. On this is physical. why they need to adopt what Japan does and just throw the empty boxes yes, with the digital code. What were you about to say, Kevin? Actually, we even okay, we still even even Microsoft does that. They sell like little baby versions of the Xbox One games with the digital codes inside. Yeah, Kevin, you were starting to say something. Uh, why not just like give us the option to pre-order? Yeah, we pre-order on our Switch and like, hey, you have access to this on like the on the Nintendo Rewards page. Oh, yeah. Because... I feel like they could they could totally get away with that. Because, again, I think they're doing this to Can't keep the retail so- partners happy more than the fans. Wouldn't, wouldn't they... Couldn't they even just, like... I mean, at this point, I feel like most people, even I, would probably do it. Like, if they sold it for really cheap, just, like, empty, like, plastic cases... They and, do. And then you could print out... They do. And then they could sell, like, you the can. printouts of the... <laughs> They actually sell the printouts of the no, of they the don't covers. sell the, no, but they be quiet. But they no, I said they do <laughs> sell the cases, and they can't. You can get the printouts, not officially, but I yeah, mean, no, that was. I, a, was, I only care officially. There was, I remember, in the Wii days or the Wii U days. No, it was in the 3DS and DS days when DSiWare blew up, and then the 3DS had the eShop. People would make fake box art for eShop games, so you could print them out and then buy the 3DS cases from store.intel.com and put them on your shelf yeah those are neat it's neat and, and, and it's obviously like a passion project for some people and they're like different boxes you can get variant boxes and change the box on the games you already bought physically so like I'm sure there's a whole world of that already because Nintendo does sell those cases so maybe, maybe that's what I need to do I don't know I'm already so far in on physical that it's it's 
That's too late. It's not too late to change. Yeah. What, what? I was gonna say that's, that's not really. really gonna stop well, you. You just said I'm weak-willed or something. Yeah. No, I'm being extremely stubbornly strong-willed by not changing. No. Yeah. Because the weak will would because be because you've, of... you've already acknowledged that getting physicals are way better. You're saying like, oh yeah, but I'm already used to my ways. So no, it's not. I'm used to my ways. It's I don't want an incomplete library. I don't want half of them to have boxes and half of them not unless they're only released digital. I'm a weirdo. We know this. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's not so much... It's not so much that, like, I was like, oh, I... Well, I, that's true. I mean, for your purposes, I mean, it makes more as sense. As an enthusiast and arguably collector of said games. As a collector of said games, yeah. Yeah, I'm like the guy in Guardians of the Galaxy, except I love living creatures. But um, was he called the collector or something like that? Yeah, the collector. Yeah. Anyway. The head of a dead celestial. Anyways. Me... The way I see it, it's like, you as an enthusiast and a collector, I feel... Well, I guess the... The The boxes The boxes don't take too much space. Yeah. No, it's not... Well, I actually don't have any shelf space for my wrong. Oh, so... Well, I just need to rearrange my shelf. That's all. But um, the point is more... just keep making it harder on yourself. Yep. The (laughs) point is more that I, like, I... Yeah, as we noted, we're three years in with the Switch in a couple months. Like, so I'm getting the first three years of boxes, and then the second half of the library just doesn't physically exist. Your boxes include third-party games, right? Yeah. Why not just go Nintendo? Just buy all Nintendo's first-party games. Physical? Physical, and get everything else uh, digital. The man has a point. Kevin has a point. Well... I I feel like that's the best... best, uh, that's actually not a bad idea. Best middle point for you. Some space. And yeah. I mean, I do, I do still download stuff. It's not like I don't buy anything off the eShop that's digital because it doesn't have a box. It's just the stuff that comes in a box. I mean, there's a third party then, game well, you and mentioned you were considering getting. Well, you know, there's the whole other wrinkle of it, which is um, games that come out digitally but then get a physical release later. I buy them digital when they come out, and I just never get the physical. So I guess I'm already breaking my own. Pattern. Well, why would you? I double feel like dip? this is an intervention. Yeah, I wouldn't want to exactly. But my point is, if I'm trying to have. If I want my games physical and then I get some digital that then have a physical, if I really was doing it for collecting's sake, I would need to buy the physical. If I was doing it to have a complete whatever, I would need I the physical. I guess you just proved to so yourself clearly that you clearly I, can do it. Exactly. Just, I think this is an intervention. Is this an intervention? I think going forward, you should just do the first party stuff. Wow. This is... This is I was like, not ready to face myself like this today. But like I said, I mean... <laughs> it, it's not like you're buying these games for the case, not for the games themselves. No, 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 no. I'm only buying the games <laughs> I'm interested in, but when I buy the games I'm interested in, I buy it to have the case, too. Mm. I don't just buy a game because it comes in a box. Do you realize how many games I'd have to own? No, I, 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 I know, but, that's, 14, what but that's what I'm getting at. Like, There were 1,400 Switch games released in 2019. 1,400, I think. Somewhere around there. Obviously, they're not all physical, but I did not buy 900 game boxes. Yeah, but, that, but that's, but that's the, the core of it. That, yeah. like... The core like, of it like, is like, I like, make like, no, like, like, no, like the reason like I get them digitally is because Convenient. I know I'm gonna be playing Smash Bros. a lot. I'm gonna be playing Animal Crossing a lot and switching between them like a ton. It doesn't really make sense for me to get them physically, right? And yeah, I guess those conveniences outweigh the fact that I'm not gonna get a box. And honestly, you don't have room. No, I do. I, do. I guess you have a little, but it's like I don't know. You after you skip a few, you end up. It doesn't not really matter. And I only really do it for the multiplayer games because, yeah. you know, single player games, as I've said multiple times, you beat it and you don't really want that data lingering there. So it's better to have it digital. I mean, physical. Well, except, oh, yeah, I see your point. Well, this lets me tell my favorite story of why getting physical is horrible. E3, two years oh, ago, God. we're in line 
Can I, you heard this story? I don't know if you heard it. We're no. in line. Didn't I go with you E3 two years ago? Uh, no, you went like three years no, ago. Jason was literally you guys never like... went the same year at the same time because you used Jason one was you a, used the other person. Jason was a walking infomercial where like, let's play Bomberman. He's like, all right, let me get the game. And I'm like, all right, I'm already in it. So we're, we're, and he's like shuffling through like, his yeah. like 10 like cartridges and then he's like, all right, I got it. Oh, it needs an update. Okay, let's try Mario Kart. All right, I'm in it. All right, let me get the game. Then he drops them on. They're like, oh, wait a minute. They all fell on the floor. The whole And then we're like, all right, you know what? Let's just play Street Fighter. And then I just like booted up and we just get Joy-Con. It, it was, I was waiting. And you didn't walk away from him and just, to and just we leave? I would have just weren't. We, we, we couldn't walk away. We, we were, were in the, we were the three the and a half line. hour line for Pokemon Let's Go. Yeah. Actually, I could have won because I knew Oh, you I didn't would. even play the demo. Yeah, because I, yeah, I wasn't did even interested. He did walk away eventually. But, I like, did, yeah, I did leave it was basically like that, like, everything was happening in such a way that you're waiting for, the for like, your world to turn black and white and freeze frame and go, has this happened to you from some ominous voice in space? It was really bad. And yet, I still buy physical, so I'm glad to see So many cartridges. Free. I know, so many. Okay. I have so a really nice maybe, cartridge case, though. So now, you're just going to buy first-party stuff. <laughs> From Nintendo, that's developed by Nintendo. That's an added. Uh, why, why are we adding that one? Because they publish a lot of stuff. Anything that, that has a Nintendo stuff. logo on the front of the box. How about that? You're gonna buy Tokyo Mirage Sessions? No, no, no. <laughs> it's any, published by Nintendo. No, no, no. I'm not saying I'm buying everything they publish. I'm saying anything I want that has actually. You ready for some weird Jasonism here? Oh boy! God, here Nintendo go. doesn't put their logo on the front of the box anymore when they publish the game, and it's by them. They used to, and then they stopped because it's redundant fine, with the Nintendo on the, buying, the top left. Then on the spine. Just a little fun fact. Okay, if you look at Wii games, only they do. Buying look at stuff. Wii U and Switch games, they do. So don't. you're only buying stuff that they develop. That's it. That's wait, cool. That's wait. it. Wait. Oh, oh yeah, this is a lot to take in. So anyway, um, speaking of buying games, uh, <laughs> maybe. Hey, that seems reasonable. Yeah. And while we're talking about buying games, that is really ultimately the uh, actual final answer of how Nintendo going to keep the Switch momentum up this year. Is of course... By selling games? By no. Selling games. I know. I know. It's crazy, right? And um, the Economic reason... Economic By making money? I know. It's weird. No, but uh, this is really just kind of the segue into, like, the other part of their conversation in the financial briefing was how good the game sales are, which is very... They, um, they're selling... They have come... They're supposed to sell 125 million games by March. They're currently at 123 million. They have now upped their game count to 140 million. They are outpacing themselves. Their their game sales of just first party releases this year over last is 25 percent higher since from April till now than a year prior. Well, that's how you make it a big sis. You like undercut yourself so that when you actually make it there, like you make mm. it a big deal. Mm. That's what I used to do. In was it a Wanda that was like? <laughs> in middle school. I was like, Mom, I'm gonna get you a C. When I knew that I could get better than C, so Nintendo that when I got an A or B, very conservative. So this is shocking that they would do that. Not conservative with the Wii U and people were going like, "Whoa, you really think you're gonna sell this many?" Yeah, Iwata was. Uh, Iwata really believed in. There's some piece bigger. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, it's interesting because it's not just like as it become the norm. It's not just the new releases that are doing well, which we'll get to in a minute. Evergreens keep going it's like it, the last time there's Nintendo success on the sale, scale again was in the Wii and DS games but like the what's crazy is the evergreen games this past holiday the same games as a year ago are selling better now than they did a year ago like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe 4 million copies during the holidays that's 800,000 higher than a year prior Mario Odyssey 2.2 million copies this holiday Versus 1.6 million a year ago. That's a, no, a lot of different. kids that just got a Switch. Yeah, Breath of the Wild 1.8 million versus 1.4 million a year ago. Even Splatoon sold a million this holiday somehow versus 800,000 last holiday, or you know in the year over year. 
So it's not just a matter of like kids are getting the Switches, but like these games are still resonating with them. And I think what sets apart like Nintendo's Evergreens and overall strategy with the Switch now versus the Wii a decade ago when they last saw success is that they've kind of mastered the idea of being able to double dip on all these people and get them to keep getting buying things. Because like the idea in the past is like, you know, they can sell these games forever, new owners will come on board, they'll buy them, whatever. But then they basically are now having a second wave of money at zero cost because they just have things sitting on the server for people to buy. They don't have to print boxes. They don't have to put them in stores. You just go to the eShop and it's there. So they're able to not just do the evergreen trick, but they're able to do a secondary uh, wave of money constantly for years to come. There are probably people buying the Octo... Like, think of it this way. Like Breath of the Wild. Expansion pack. That was 20 bucks when it came out. All those... Zelda's that just sold, a chunk of them are going to buy that expansion pack. Nintendo has not put any money into Zelda in years, except printing the boxes, and now they're getting, like, two waves of money from all these customers. Or Splatoon with the uh, Octo expansion. Same idea. 20 bucks. They released it two years ago, one year ago, pushed it really hard, lets it sit there. They still market the Evergreens as, like, go buy it in the store, but they don't have to even do anything with the DLC, and they'll just get to bring in money. It's like it's something that Furukawa never outright said in the presentation because like it's kind of a weird thing to be like, yeah, we're just gonna milk all our stuff. And it's not something I think Nintendo's ever gonna address head on and for that same reason. But like it's so obvious that I, I never really thought about it this way before. And I don't know, maybe this is super obvious to people that like of course DLC will sell for years, but we're in such like the cycle of Nintendo announces something, it comes out, you play it. Then they do the DLC, it comes out, you play it, then you move on to something else. It's like there's still like for these games that sell millions three years later they're still making so much money off it it's it's uh it's rather smart of them and the next level implementation of this idea is what we're seeing with super smash bros ultimate where it's not just the one dlc but it's ten dollars more than what they did in the past and there's two waves of them and it's just going forever so even if you hop on the smash bandwagon like three years from now if you want every character nintendo has you buying a game in a store for 60 bucks and they spent a couple bucks printing it and shipping it and then they get the exact same value of the game 60 bucks as just free money that they don't even have to worry about investing in anymore it's just gonna it's just gonna show up in their bank account which is kind of like it's kind of genius i mean it's what every company basically does but the long tail of dlc is kind of a weird idea that i never really thought about and it seems like nintendo's really leading on with what they're doing with pokemon nintendo and does Smash. tend to have a well Overall, they definitely do have a lot of IPs that mm-hmm. like last a long time with their DLC. Cause like, just think, just comparing it to Mortal Kombat, like, even though they've done like DLC for years, like the like, well, up until Mortal Kombat 11, all their games literally just like survived for one year. Right. It was like Mortal Kombat 9, then immediately Injustice, then immediately whatever. Oh, Mortal Kombat X, then Injustice 2, and then yeah. Well, it's the same as like when we were talking about how like Game Freak cuts off. Because then you know, because then people like are less incentivized to buy the previous games and may not even. Right, exactly. It's like we were saying last episode with Game Freak, like not doing a third version means they're not cutting off. Like Sun and Moon sales fell off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, like we just said, like now they just all that money that would have gone. Yeah, but the part that I'm kind of like, huh? Like this is really like, especially seeing what Nintendo's doing in 2020 with their games from 2019. The part that I'm really like, wow, this is is like. They're selling DLC from games that no one talks about anymore. Nintendo doesn't talk about the DLC. It's just free money coming in. Like, usually it is like what you're saying. Like, they'll pump out some stuff and promote it. We'll get Byleth. They'll talk about Byleth, then they move on to something else. But, like, that 30 bucks that gets you Byleth in the other four, like, three years from now, someone's still paying them that 30 bucks. Like, a lot of someone's. It's, it's yeah. So, which, which does bring us to Byleth, I guess. Like, he and she have been they? out since uh, last Tuesday. 
along with the monastery stage and uh coming out of the announcement uh i feel like we had a lot to say about the choice of including byleth in our last episode uh you know not just as yet another fire emblem character but uh the fact that this is the final fighter they announced and to nintendo's credit they are very aware it's another fire emblem character i don't know if did you play the classic mode of him and you, you, they basically marathon through every fire emblem character so they're like kind of aware but um yeah, he's here, and in the same way that sometimes he and she are here, can they, just silently play. They? they are here, and in the same way that sometimes people try to separate the man or woman from the artist, I feel like we need to be fair to Byleth and separate the fighter from the reveal of the fighter. So well, yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we already talked about the fact that it's Byleth, so yeah. like, so exactly. So we can just talk about like how, as a character in the game Smash Bros, regardless of the reveal, Resident Smash expert Angel, how are you liking Byleth? Um, I mean, me personally, as someone to use, not that much, but I mean, I could see, I guess their appeal. I mean, they're, they're a heavy, but they also have a lot of range. So they're definitely very different. Like mechanically, they don't have anything really new, but mm-hmm. I guess all the stuff they grab from other characters together makes them at least unique, like unique enough that, yeah, it's fair. Like they're definitely, they definitely don't even play like remotely similar to any of the other Fire Emblem characters but early on right now just because we're still like in the first week of the character being out um man they're they just appear to be very cheap and very you know I guess somewhat broken yeah like literally you're able to kill someone at 20% right now like if they're at 20% damage you just throw them up up B them and then side B immediately and they're dead and yeah, and and like they also feel like they're almost impossible, like to like edge guard, just because I mean you don't want you want to go off stage against them because you know then they'll just grapple you to death, or they'll just stall out their defense with like the side B, which is just like a spinning lance. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It it took me a while to get used to them fighting as like I was fighting a few as Bowser, and in the beginning I was just getting wrecked because I was like, how do I approach you? And it took a good number of matches before. You know, I was finally able to start, like, beating them. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just kind of sucks that you have to be really patient on them. But... I, I will say that patience, like... Yeah, because I, I... To kind of echo what you're saying. Kevin, you, have you tried... Okay, yeah. So to kind of... I didn't want to not give you a chance if you did. Um, to kind of echo what you're saying, I do agree. Like, this... You do need a... The slowness gets to me, is I guess what I'm getting at. Like, when you actually land the hit, it's very satisfying. But on the ground this he and she are very slow yeah, I don't know I'll, and in the air they're surprisingly not but it's I like mean, there's the not f- much to do in I the mean, air I with mean, them the I don't is, know it's just well, like the funny thing is that like when you're using them like you really feel the slowness but when you're fighting them they do not feel like right, fighting a right. slow character and, like, and I mean to that like point like all of heroes like aerials like they come out extremely delayed but when you're fighting against a hero, it feels like you're always getting hit by that sword. And you're like, why am I getting hit by this attack? Like, it's like one of the slowest ones in the game. But right. there you are, getting hit by every single slash. And the same thing with Byleth. Like, so many Byleths just throw down the down air, which is, like, the slowest. Like, they just, like, swing that big hammer mm-hmm. or the club. It's their version of Ike's big sword, frankly. Yeah, and for some reason, like, it just hits you, like, almost, like, 90% of the time. And you're just, like, it's it's, it's, it's It's a almost huge... Like, and, I mean, yeah. I, I find myself, like trying like spot dodging or like you know whenever you would think you would get hit but everything is just so slow that you still get hit by that attack anyway because you dodge too early but this is also just like you know the character is new like you have to fight like you know these characters like 
over 50 to 60 to 100 times before you but what's, what's you know weird, you have them downloaded but what's weird about Byleth to me is yeah the character's new but I have no desire to learn about this kid. like to your point about how there's nothing new really like the combination of moves is different but like when we got Joker when we got well, Joker, Hero, yeah, Joker had a lot of depth when in we got it was Banjo, like, like well you could do like the gun spinning and like how does this work yeah that? like they all had unique ben- things and Byleth is just kind of there well, that's what I'm saying like, they just <laughs> like pulled, it's they, weird they pulled already existing mechanics from a bunch yeah. of different characters and put them all on by them and I mean I get I get why they did that like three houses basically what they did is they have weapon set a weapon set that nods to every aspect of three houses weapons in a cool way like I understand that and like again don't get me wrong it is satisfying when you land some of those big hits but like yeah there's nothing that's like I want to learn this character I should main this character it's just like <sighs> you know, funny, he's like, just there and he's not even there in a like oh he's another Fire Emblem Swordsman sort of way he's there in a like what is he <laughs> sort of way like he it's nice that he's different from the other Fire Emblem characters like in that little bubble of Fire Emblem he is unique but the second you look at every other character it's like this is just a weird amalgamation of what the game already offers it doesn't I don't know I don't, I don't want to be too negative I, it's just the others set the bar so high that this one just feels like it was like I mean, phoned I, in a little I, I, I would definitely say they're interesting they just I mean they just didn't click with me but yeah the funny thing is that you know, and this is something that um some developers or I guess I think it's like the higher ups that have kind of like gotten a mismatch, especially Capcom in the last couple of years. I f- it feels like they started to like come back around. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess I am kind of going to go back to the whole Fire Emblem thing. Mm-hmm. But like that same moveset put a Monster Hunter in them because like literally like everything they do almost goes one to one with what Monster the characters in Monster Hunter World does. They have a right. grapple. They have literally all those weapons just like texture swap them. Like, even if the character didn't click with me, I would make an effort to try to, like, play them just because right. I love the character so that much. So it sounds much. like, uh... And, yeah, so because it's, like, you know, the character, even ignoring if it's Fire Emblem and it's, like, some other franchise and they just look the way they did, they just don't look as interesting as... Yeah, basically... By... I mean, literally, you look at the portrait for Mars and Byleth side by side, and they look like they'd be from the same game. I mean, they're from the same series, yeah. they're from the same series, and, it... but... It's basically a double-edged sword, or I guess in this case, a double-edged swordsman. <laughs> no, but yeah. no, it's a double-edged sword because like, it's not just like the character himself for a lot of people wasn't that interesting, and then the moveset wasn't that interesting, so there's nothing to elevate it. While if it was like Monster or something for a huge audience, that would elevate it because it's different. Even yeah, if the moveset's I, I, the same, or if the moveset's different, it could have elevated Byleth up just because of that. Yeah. I feel like the moveset had to yeah. go a little bit further because like, honestly, yes. that arrow feels like I enjoy I don't it. Know, it it needs something else cause like it just comes out so slow like yeah you could cancel a lot of the first charge of the arrow but then not the second which is but odd. even then like but if you cancel a lot of it like I mean then you're not shooting it and if you do wait to shoot it it shoots at that exact interval every time so it's very easy to dodge or very easy yep. to reflect and if you do go for that final shot like you better hope that character doesn't have a reflector yep. cause it is gonna get reflected at you but I mean I'm just reminded of like something that what was his name? Combo Fiend. He's like, he's like an ambassador. Or he works for Capcom. He was like helping them develop. Um, I think at the time it was Marvel's Capcom Infinite, and this was when Capcom wasn't exactly saying why all the Marvel characters weren't in mm. this game, but it was mm-hmm. kind of obvious why. But they were saying like, oh, you know, like those characters, like Magneto, blah blah blah. Like people didn't care about those characters; they cared about how they played. They cared about the moveset, and they're like, no, I'm pretty sure they just really wanted to play as Wolverine or yeah, Magneto. Like you know, there, there is some, there is some uh, backing behind that though. 
I mean, because yeah. I know some people do not care about Doctor Doom who would only play Doctor Doom in Marvel's Capcom 3. Oh, yeah. I mean... Well, it's kind of Especially like, because of that dive kick. No, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that depends <laughs> that on... That jive you, dive. I, I mean, couldn't I mean, the, there, with it. There's like a... It's like an upward streak where it goes from like casual to competitive and it's like right in that middle line. I feel like that's kind of where I'm at where I definitely care about how they play but I definitely still care a lot about like who the character is. Right. But I mean, if you're just playing to be the best, you're really not going to care who it is. You're going to yeah. use Sheik. You're going to use Joker. You're going to use yeah. whatever. And, and that's kind have. of the fine like, line. They're just tools at that point. And that's the fine line that they always have to walk Pokemon. That's why I only use yeah. Pokemon. Like, I won't it, use Tyranitar no matter how good Tyranitar is because I don't like Tyranitar. Right. And and that's kind of the fine line that like Smash in the DLC and why I understand it's difficult for Nintendo to nail all these. It, that's the fine line because you're, you're appealing to two different audiences at once with one thing. So if one side falls, the other can pick it up, but or fails, the other can pick it up. But if both are not at like prime level; it can drag the whole thing down. You know what I mean? Like because you have the competitive side and how it plays pick lift up the character. You have the character uniqueness lift up how it plays. If neither of them that, stand out. At this point, we have eighty characters, I believe. Seventy-five. He was the seventy fifth. He was the seventy fifth. They were the seventy fifth. Stop doing that. I'm pretty sure there were seventy four. I, I, really, I apologize to. I'm pretty sure there were seventy four before the DLC then. dropped. Before the final pass. Are you sure? I'm pretty. Someone sure. I saw someone reference Violet's the seventy fifth. Maybe I don't know. I, I could have. Either way, it's it's very it's a very high number, and it's absurd of us to be like seventy five characters and one's kind of like the other. But it, I, I don't know. There's multiple that are kind of like the others. This at least is not a clone, or you know. No, yeah, they're uh, definitely not a clone by and, any and means. And props yeah. to them for still including all the fan service. Like the stage has great fan service. And, and how do you like the stage? Um, I like the stage visually. I like the stage as a stage to fight on in its default form. It's really, really uninspired and boring because it's very flat. Yeah, because they're all just the same flat thing. Like the the breakable like carts on the side in the first area, like they're just inconsequential. I mean. It's lucky it looks pretty. You're, you're upending the apple cart. It's, you, yeah, get to it, do, you get to do the thing. You get to do the expression. I don't know. This, it's like you're just like moving around. Like, like take um, like the Mario Sunshine stage. For, and this is a brawl stage. Like, you, you start in a flat area, but then you go to like an island with water. You go to some place that has like different like terrain levels. Like, mm-hmm. it varies. Like, every time it switches around. Same thing with the... With the Pokemon, I forgot the Kalos region, the the tower, the Prism Tower. Oh yeah, oh like, that one gets real. Yeah, wild. like like yeah. that one changes a lot too, and this one is just different versions of the exact same thing. They add um, a couple flowing platforms. Let's be fair, they add two flowing platforms. Yeah, they just go like yeah. I Listen, don't know. they added them. They weren't there, and then they were. So there's variety right there. <laughs> no, I get your point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I do. Yeah, at least they have. So what's the thing? The you did, the is there mode. anything you did like in this update? Like any Cuphead. Okay, that's Cuphead, a good one. Cuphead Cuphead's costume. cool. You know, you know what they're doing for Cuphead. Some of the buffs and nerves. You know, for Cuphead, um, for those who don't have the game to celebrate it joining Smash, um, the developers have discounted the game by five bucks, twenty five percent off the 75th, on huh? the eShop until February seventh. So, if anyone doesn't have Cuphead and wants Cuphead, now's the time. 
75 cents? Wait, what? No, 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 no. It's, 20, it's 25 percent off, so it's 15. Ah. Sorry, so 75 cents is the cost ah. of Cuphead, the DLC. Yeah, so we will have, so eight, get the so we'll have 81 characters yeah. by the time. So it is 75, yeah. Maybe 82 if they decide to drop another freebie like Piranha Plant, but which I, I feel like they, they would have already done. Yeah. yeah. So you know the the day that Bioware came out was actually a pretty big day for uh, fighting game DLC because it wasn't just Smash that got an update. You mentioned Mortal Kombat before, if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken. I think Joker hit Mortal Kombat that same day, right? Did they? I think so. Or oh. like within 24 hours. So, oh, I don't know. and you, but, you, you well, guys have Mortal Kombat in this. This is a Mortal Kombat home, I believe, <laughs> you and Elvis. Well, I mean, I'm not the player, though. But, I mean, but you, but you. I, I've just been like. How is his integration? Like, for comparison, because we're going to talk about how, how Smash is so good at the fan service and really integrating at a I mean, NetherRealm seems to be pretty on par with that. Just like, getting the character personalities down and just like, you know, like a lot of reference and stuff. Like, Joker. I mean, just from what I've seen, you know, he just seems like a fun character to watch. I'm sure he's, like, fun to play as, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, I also love how he, like, pulls out, like, a little, like, Batman ventriloquist dummy that's also doubles as a gun. And he, like, talks <laughs> to hit if you, like, hold the button down long enough. Or he'll just say, like, you know, like, in a Christian Bale imitation voice. Oh, really? Well, is it Christian Bale? Is yeah, it? the gravelly. Yeah, like, 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 like not that thing. gravelly. But, I mean, like, you know what they're going for. Right. Or, like, he'll throw, like, hostages at the opponent. And, you know, it's... It's done really, really well. And I don't know who the voice actor is, but, I mean, it also sounds like how you would expect Joker to sound. But, I don't know. It's not Mark Hamill? I don't think so. No, it sounds really close to him, though. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and then just the costumes, like, the added to the game are just... I mean, this is, like, something that I wish Smash Brothers would do. Is it true like, Baker? Like, the way they added, like, hey. Killer Croc, Harley Quinn, um, and especially, like, the Batman Who Laughs. Like, they just added them on top of characters, and they look pretty much exactly how like they did in the comics except for you know like at least as close as they can and I wish like Smash Bros would just do something similar for like who though like what would you sub in for someone no well I mean just like give us like paid costumes for characters and Uh, we talked about this before like Diddy Kong could look like Dixie Kong but play the same no, actually, well, Dixie should be a DLC character. No, I, no, I meant more like give me Dry Bowser for Bowser. Oh right, oh right. Well, we're you know, like, like, stu- like stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You know, or like Shadow Mario for Mario. Like you know, just right, things that people right. are like Mister. What's his name? Mister L or whatever his name was for Luigi from Paper Mario. Just like give him like like bandana. Oh, the bandana with the yellow eyes. I don't know if there were yellow eyes, but yeah, okay. either way, yeah. it was like a purple bandana with yellow eyes. I thought purple bandana wasn't it? No, he wore like green and black. He just looked like oh, it was a black bandana with yellow yeah. eyes. Yeah. Well, it was a dark color. Um, you know what's interesting about the Mortal Kombat one? If I'm not mistaken, they don't let you buy individual characters, do they? I think you have to buy the $40 know, but... uh, combat pack, while Smash lets you buy in piecemeal or as a pass. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't I really know where I'm going with this. I'm just sort of saying it's interesting they do it differently. I, don't know. I think traditionally that's how... That's yeah, how they've been the, sold. So it's Nintendo I, that's abnormal here? Or No, because Street Fighter lets you get the characters individually also, I feel. Yeah, mm. but I don't think they let you use real-world money for them individually. I oh, think you yeah, have so you to grind do, you to use the, the, the fight money, as yeah, you call it. The, oh, it, oh and and I don't wait, think so you, you can, can earn you can earn actual DLC characters by grinding? By grinding, yeah. I, but it's it's, 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 it's a long grind. Time. Right, but that's interesting that they provide a non-monetary Yeah, but then... Way. And then they also... Every, like whenever they're done like Street Fighter 5 just finished releasing their last bit of DLC mm-hmm. like they're releasing Street Fighter 5 I forgot what it's called like Championship Edition or something, I think, yeah, something, something like that yeah. and they added another character another stage but that game includes every bit of DLC every like character costume ever it's like ridiculous how much like right like a complete edition 
and it's like for cheaper than what mm-hmm. the base game would have cost when you first got it. So it's like an amazing deal for people just going in. See, that's my whole point I was making about how Nintendo's just like figuring out how to keep milking people for money is like Nintendo doesn't do complete editions. Nintendo, I mean, they did on new systems. Sure, they'll do Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But usually, that's a sign that's like, oh, the game is done and right. getting ready but to Nintendo's move on. Nintendo's able to for years just keep making money off people in the DLC and not have to like ever do that. I mean, I guess that's where that's where Mario when Kart I was looking Deluxe at this that, financials, though. I'm like, huh. But I guess that's also a little different. And that's because it's not system. really. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm shocked they still haven't done more DLC for Mario Kart. Honestly, they could. It sold 22 or million Mario Party, copies. That game seemed like it was just waiting for DLC because of how. Yeah, how little there was. Yeah. Mario Party on Switch is now the third best-selling Mario Party ever. It's about to become the second. Jeez. Only behind DS, which somehow is number one. I know, what? right? Yeah, <laughs> DS is number one at like 10 million. And Mario Party, Super Mario Party is at like nine something. I mean, I and Mario Kart's at 22 million. Mario Odyssey is at 16 million. And none of these games have DLC, and I don't get it. Especially when Nintendo's being so smart with how they do Smash. What are Pokemon. the top two selling Mario Party games at the uh, time? I think DS and Game Boy Advance, weirdly. Hmm? Mario Party games that no one really cares about it's cause like the handhelds you know the kids the parents buy them well, for the yeah kids. but Mario Party Advance like the ones with the cards no the island no wait you said... no that's E-Read that's Mario Party E with the card they oh. released a Mario Party Advance at one point didn't they no. am I making something up no I I, I think that I think happened they did. it was like 2D or something Mario like that Mario Party yeah it was a 2D yeah. it came out at the very end of the Game Boy Advance's life oh, I believe wow. I must have completely Mario Party it. Advance was released in 2005 end of the Game Boy's life there we go uh, and it had yeah, yeah it was it all was 2D yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah like this is the first like more traditional Mario Party it's actually so this is the first console yeah and yet no DLC and like I said nothing for Aussie nothing for Mario Kart Mario Kart Mario Kart on Switch it's sitting at 22 million right now if you add in the Wii one they're at 30 million Th- this Mario Kart could end up being the best selling Mario Kart ever because it's just constantly is selling and like I don't and know why that's Nintendo including Mar- Mario Kart 8, like base Mar- if, Mario in Kart In the 22, 8. it's not. In the 30, it is. Okay. Yeah. So. But let's say it's at 22. At the rate they're selling, they're selling 4 million copies every holiday. Like, this thing could be the... It's the number one selling game on Switch. But it could be the best-selling Mario Kart ever. It depends on whether they, they release, a, like, a brand spanking new Mario Kart this they generation. They usually though. do one per system, but they screw that off by doing an updated old one. That's so the thing, yeah. yeah. I, I still feel like they, they probably can just... Considering that this is... Yeah. Just the last game, Literally but like, just do the they, last but do, the do they even need to? Because then it goes back to the same question: Doesn't tell them I'll just milk it while they can? Do they need to do a Mario Kart? I don't think they're back? really going to wait until the next console to. They re- could, or they they're going to ride I this like, guy I out feel like for a few years. I feel like there's too much money left on the table for them not to do that. So the only reason I'm the only reason I'm sort of hasn't in agreeing with that is they continue they're gonna to release it at the end of the life cycle and then just re-release that one at the beginning of the next. Yeah, console probably it's gonna forever. No, but what I was gonna say is Mario Kart Seven was promoted came out on the 3ds in what 2012 like the second year of the system maybe no wait 2011 it came out 2011 they were marketing it heavily in commercials and stuff up after like through and after the switch launch a game from the first year of the or second year of the uh first year of the 3ds they were just giving it away yeah at one point but Mm -hmm. like they they milked that game for Five years, six years, seven years, and did commercials for it seven years later. So I can't see them necessarily being like, yeah, let's just make Mario Kart 9 when they can keep milking 8 for so long. Eventually they will, but 
Like Man, seven. I want you Mario Kart game already. Don't yeah. get me wrong, I love Deluxe, but I'm kind of already tired of. Yeah, that's why I think like, even, if they, even if they did like just a DLC pack and just bring in some old tracks from other games, like I don't know why they w- wouldn't. Or like do a side thing, like take the uh, the arcade game and bundle well, it up get with the console. Fifteen one. bucks when they can get sixty bucks, I guess. But yeah, it's way less work versus way more mm. work. But well, then they can milk that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably could. I mean, they literally. I, I think for them, they literally just. I think for them, they look at it and go. We can do other franchises and build up other franchises and have Mario Kart just coast along and keep cruising and keep selling. I'm trying to think of other puns that make sense here. No, but, the, you know, they could just have it coast along happily selling millions of copies, no problem. Or they can take some of the resources that could be building up a new brand or an IP into something bigger and use it on Mario Kart and sell I, some more, but then ultimately be in the same, it just sells millions anyway situation. So they're probably trying to diversify for now and then they'll come back later would be my guess. But who knows? But what got us on this topic, or what got us here, is the whole DLC thing, right? And um, I think Smash is the example of them kind of getting the hang of double dipping there. But um, the prime example of them maybe executing this idea, perhaps even more so than with Smash, is Pokemon Sword and Shield. Because, I mean, here's a game... Here's a game that has some absolutely incredible sales. Like, insane sales. It sold 16 million copies in what amounts to six weeks, a month and a half. To give you some perspective on how big that is, via uh, Serebii.net, who actually compiled this data, Sword and or Sword Sun and Moon total sales its entire life sixteen point one seven million in six weeks. Sword and Shield have matched the previous best uh, fastest selling Pokemon game ever, Sun and Moon. That's crazy because Sun and Moon was at the peak Pokemon Go hype, like that was that period, and. Sword and Shield just did it like it was nothing. Well, I mean, it's the first Pokemon game on the Switch. Yeah. I mean, well, second, sort kind of, The second. first Pokemon game on the Switch. Yeah, okay. I see how you feel about Let's Go. And it's also X and Y. It has matched X and Y's total almost. X and Y sold 16.42 million in its entire life. Sword and Shield did in six weeks. Black and White, 15.64 million. It has outsold Black and White in six weeks. Uh, Ruby and Sapphire, 16.22 million. Outsold again. So, uh, or about to be outsold any minute now. Probably already outsold because these numbers are already to the end As of December. We speak. As we speak, someone is passing that. But no, for like all that controversy about the national decks and that boycott, boy, sure seems like uh, that was all for nothing. Yeah, it's like, it's such, it's crazy. It didn't even do well. It did so well, it beat out like a ton of other Pokemon I mean, games. it's supposed to show you how many people don't care or exactly. are too weak-willed to stick to their conviction. Well, you, you guys have seen that, 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 uh, photo of a steam group called like we will not buy call of duty modern warfare 2 unless there are dedicated servers mm-hmm. and like there's just a list of uh steam members like yeah. and then you see you can see what they're all playing and they're all playing modern warfare 2 of course on launch day no one when it didn't have gamers are servers, like, gamers are the worst i say as one you are the worst yeah specifically talking about you jason Knight. Oh, not you listener you're awesome Every off, uh, yeah. Every listener is awesome. If you're a gamer who's a listener, you're not the worst. But if you're a gamer who's not a listener, you're the worst. No, if but, you're uh, a gamer named Jason Reckman, you're the worst. You're pretty much the worst. Yeah. Wait. Why did I agree to that? Why did I? Mm. Well, anyway, I do think on boycott psychiatry. Oh, so, uh, it, it wasn't even though. <laughs> I just agreed with you randomly. No, but I was gonna say, um, on some level, I think part of why it's doing this well is we we've seen this before. First party sequels like the Switch boost, as I like to call it. Like, whenever an IP that Nintendo decides to draw on Switch arrives, it seems to somehow outdo its predecessor or its version from another platform, and then so, I mean, happened back with Kirby Star Allies, that became one of the 
top selling Kirby games ever. It happened with DK Tropical Freeze outsold the Wii U version pretty much instantly. Happened with Bigger Fair, New Super Mario Brothers U. The Deluxe Edition has been out since, what, January a year ago? So we're talking one year. It um, has now already, in that one year, sold more than it ever sold on Wii U. In the entire five years, it is available for Wii U. That makes me so angry. Those games are not good. <laughs> what, what, what's your concern with them? What, it, do you just the new like, Super Mario Brothers? Oh, I just never like liked those spa? games. Yeah, it's pretty much the boss uh, exclusively. <laughs> um, I do really like the Starry Night level design thing they did in that one. But it, it's happening more recent games too, like uh, Link's Awakening. 4 million copies since it came out in September, which is already more than the wholly original Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, ever sold on 3DS. And perhaps the biggest... I don't know, that one seems to have very mixed reception overall. Like, yeah. Link Between Worlds? I feel Wait, like... it did? I loved no. Link Between Worlds. No, no, I, well, People love that game. I, know, I feel like I've heard like, people either like really loved it or were just... The complaint I've heard is people found it a little too easy and a little too short because it was easy, but I... It's one of the few games I've beaten, which might be well, kind yeah, of short and easy, like but I loved it. Yeah, yeah. But, but Kevin it plays video games, and he liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be just really fun. I mean, I re- and I really like the wall mechanic thing. Seemed like it'd be I think game, Triforce really Heroes fun. was the one that... Triforce was the one I remember getting a little more. Yeah, that, and I, I think I, that one was the mixed one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what we said about it on the show back at the time. But yeah, I think it was... I never played yeah, it, though. What I said on the show back at the time. But, but yeah, like this pattern of games selling well once they're on Switch. Like Luigi's Mansion 3, this is the last example. Um, Five million copies in two months. That is twice the rate, the sell-through rate that Dark Moon had. Lifetime sales of Dark Moon topped out a little over six month, uh, six million. It took four years to do what three did in two months, and three has already exceeded the total sales of the original Luigi's Mansion on GameCube. Well, Dark which Moon was around for the entire life of the GameCube. Dark Moon was also like that one was a divisive one for that sure. That was it so. was yeah. But my point is like it outsold the original, it outsold the sequel, like. That's in part, I think, why Pokemon is doing so well because, like, everything that comes to Switch, it's just so much bigger, and people just love these IPs that they just eat it up. But there's also a part of it that I think, like, I feel like part of the reason it's doing so well is the residual effect of Pokemon Go. Because, like, a year ago, Pokemon Let's Go, Nintendo made a point that the purpose of Let's Go was to serve as a bridge between basically the mobile Go players and the full-fledged Pokemon games. And, like, sure, Let's Go sales tapered off eventually, but it did, as of this financial report, still sell something like 11.67 million copies. That's a lot of people. That's nothing to scoff at. And, like, it is one of the Switch's best sellers. It's ahead of Splatoon, actually. It's still more than Splatoon. And that's a lot of people to potentially cross, you know, to have them potentially cross this bridge into a real Pokemon game. And it's not like Pokemon Go is dead or anything, either. Like, you know, they could convert straight into Sword and Shield. It's certainly possible. Like, the game's still thriving. There's new features like Battle Leagues rolling out. And um, if you need proof of just how strong it is, here's a crazy stat. Nicholas announced the other week that Pokemon Go, the live events of Pokemon Go, so we're talking, like, a few things in a few cities around the world, stuff like the Safari Zones in Asia and Europe, Go Fest in Chicago. It generated just people going to do Pokemon Go events, $250 million in tourism in those locations. $120 million alone at GoFest in Chicago. For perspective, San Diego Comic-Con brings in $140 million in tourism to San Diego. Really? Pokemon GoFest was only $20 million less. Pokemon GoFest in the year and 2019. That's af- and that's after the original one was such a PR mess? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that original. Uh, like, it, it, still, that yeah. it still managed to muster that much goodwill. Yeah, and like that's and like the game. I think I said a different episode that it's generated more revenue in 2019 than any other year. So like, there's still a huge audience for Pokemon Go, and that's just one of the Pokemon mobile games. So I'd say like, 
Pokemon Go is still factoring into Sword and Shield um, doing this well. And, I mean, as a whole, here's, here's another crazy stat. As a whole IP, so we're talking the games, the toys, Detective Pikachu movie, all that. According to MPD, Pokemon made, in the U.S. alone, in 2019, $279 million. Or not, wow, where did I get that number? $790 million. I just think I made up a number. It's not even, it doesn't even say 200, anyway. Anyway, $790 million. So, I'm kind of curious to see how high Sword and Shield is going to climb. Because, like, Diamond and Pearl... That sold seventeen million, so it's gonna definitely pass that in the next few months. But if you keep going and you add in the expansion pass and it goes full evergreen, like we were talking about last episode, it could become the best selling Pokemon ever. Gold and Silver, I believe, have that title now. One twenty three billion, million. billion copies. One billion copies for everyone. Whoa. So yeah, it's like Man, that's not even revenue. What one billion copies? Well, know. that's not really feasible. <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening. I'm... That's a seventh of the world. <laughs> hey, that's literally one in if seven. If any people. franchise can do it, it, it would, would be, be Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. It is the single biggest media brand on the planet. So, but like that's crazy. I'm not missing right? it at man. If you only thought one many... in seven, that there'd be more. <laughs> that's half of Facebook's user base. That's a weird thought. I mean, that's more Facebook's than most population. So what? That's more than most populations in like a yeah. Few it, it it'd be like three. Three and a third United States populations, or something like that, a little less, three and a quarter maybe. But the reason I bring all up, I bring up all these stats, is not to like two Pokemon toward and be like the world will buy Pokemon. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be like that commercial. Remember from the Mario Three commercial where it's like uh, everyone's chanting Mario and it zooms out and the whole planet is just Mario's face. Oh well, yeah, it was the people's it's clothing be that, that, that was Pokemon. Mario's face. No, but when it zooms out, the planet shows Mario's. Face. Yeah, like they form Mario's face on the planet. Yeah, and it's the size of the planet. Right? Do you remember it's, it's, the commercial? Yeah, they're all oh. chanting Mario, Mario, and it zooms out, and then at how they're standing when they're chanting forms Mario's face on top of Earth. It's like, yeah. yeah. But the the face is the size of the Earth. Like, it's that many people are into Mario is the message. Right? I don't think it's that... I don't think it was that big. Oh, we're going to look it up I mean, after it the big. podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about the size of the Earth. I mean, obviously, it, it, there's oceans and things, but it was, it was big. Anyway, but the reason I bring it up is not that. It's because... Um, those 16 million Sword and Shield owners in six weeks, that potential billion you mentioned, Nintendo's got to double dip on them with the expansion pass and then triple dip on them with Pokemon Home. And that's the thing that that they finally are talking about, which is Pokemon Home. Uh, we finally have official details about Pokemon Home. And uh, we now know, for example, that if people want to use the global trade system, which was the Pokemon marketplace of sorts, that was once a staple in the games, but conspicuously absent from Sword and Shield, well, guess what? They can do it again. They just need the app. If they want to access Wonder Trade, another old standby feature uh, that let you basically do amount to randomized trade, just kind of put a guy in there and you sort of set some condition and it goes off on his own, you'll be able to do it again. But again, now in the app. So basically, they're bringing all the old previous in-game features back but with a bit of a paywall attached because the catch is, of course, yeah, with both I of was, these options. I wasn't crazy. It was like barely the It was just... It just filled up the U.S. Oh, well, listen, I like to imagine Mario larger than life, and that's Mario not is larger than life. Yeah. Mario is my world, and Super Mario World is my favorite video game. Do you just get an ad there? Do you not I have did. YouTube Red? No, I do not. Or Premium? No. How is the ad-free life? Am I the only one that, that pays for YouTube? I think so. How is that life? It's great. I can lock my phone, and the music will still play. Oh, that's pretty good. That that That's... Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, but anyway, the thing I was saying that is... That is one annoying thing when I'm walking and I want to listen to something once, specifically on Trust YouTube. me, like, if you definitely don't want to pay... How much? Like $12 a month? Uh, don't do it because you will not go back. That, that sounds like 
more than I would want to pay right now. Speaking of subscription services, let's rope this back over to Pokemon. Right. I, did, you, did you cancel Spotify? I actually did remember to cancel it. And I just switched that over to, to YouTube. But that's $2 or more. Or Pokemon Home. You gotta get Pokemon. Oh, you don't even know Pokemon Sword and Shield. That's right. Uh, well, I guess he he's won't getting, be. He's gonna get. He's gonna get eventually, but yeah. but yeah. So um, the catch with this um, is they have all these features and they're free, but they're limited. So you get one Wonder Trade at a time for free. You get one GTS use at a time for free, which doesn't sound at, too bad. What do you mean by at a time? So like, if you have the premium one, you can do ten simultaneous. Oh, okay. Trades. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. But but the real the real showstopper is you can only hold thirty Pokemon in your home app. Which is available, which will be available on Switch and mobile, uh, unless you pay. At which point it increases to six thousand Pokemon, which is a big bump. But um, yeah, so I mean, if you're trying to do a living deck or something, I can see why you want to pay. But I mean, if you're just using it as a means to an end to transfer Pokemon, like yeah, and it's like you don't like like uh, if you don't mind doing the legwork of moving Pokemon back and forth one or two at a yeah, time. Yeah, because I mean, I have probably around thirty, if not like maybe a little more, like Pokemon that I've like you know bred to perfection and blah blah blah. Yeah. So, like, you know, two trips, having them do that between from my Sun and Moon to Pokemon Bank to Pokemon Home to Throne and Shield isn't that bad. And it's not like, and it's you, not and like you, and there's not cool stuff beyond that that's still free. Like, you can trade locally with friends without needing to boot up the game. You yeah, just do it through the app. Pretty that's cool. pretty cool. There's something called um, Room Trade where you can't, you can always set it up if you're paying, but anyone who's anyone can participate free or not and it lets you basically make a room of 20 people and they can all swap around I assume this yeah, is and online. honestly even like the the global trade station limitation doesn't even bother me much and I Why feel that? and I feel like maybe not even a lot of people it's just that I personally like even me as someone that has played Pokemon and dealt with all that I would recommend you don't even really bother with the global trade station just because 90% of the time you're gonna get a hacked Pokemon like if you don't wanna have any potentially you know corrupt pokemon in your party or with like messed up stats like because you will get one sooner or later and you know sometimes they could mess with your file right in unwanted ways and yeah i don't know usually if you want to play even i don't know unless you're i guess just wanting to complete your pokedex i guess but i don't know i feel like pokemon has made getting pokemon so easy and accessible like in the last couple generations that you might not even have to worry about that Mm mm-hmm so, I don't know. I feel like just trading with people or with friends. Is with, like, the room trade or the friend yeah, trade. Yeah, with the room yeah. trade is probably where you're with that. And honestly, and like... And those are basically free. Yeah, and honestly, like, those... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's obviously not everybody, but, like, getting a Pokemon from someone you know, like, usually... For me, it's preferable just because it means more than just getting it from some random person. Right. Because they always... Sometimes I like just going back on my previous Pokemon just seeing, like, the original trainer tag and being like, oh, I got this from... My friend from high school that I don't talk to anymore. Like, oh, this is from Elvis's old account. Like, oh, I got this from Satan. Right. What was that last well, one? Well, that was Elvis's. Did you say Satan? Yeah. Okay. His character was in Satan and Diamond is in Pearl. Of course it was. It's not like, Satan wants to trade with you. Right, right. <laughs> and yeah. not like Bongmaster69420. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah the, the app like so yeah to your point it, it does work as a kind of free app and there's other cool stuff um, besides what we already talked about there's a national Pokedex so every Pokemon you send through the box will be registered if it's their uh, if they have Dynamax and Gigantamax that's gonna be registered they'll have entries for all of them uh, you have a profile you can customize you'll be able to check in on your rank battle stats your online competition stats if you're using the mobile phone version you can collect this one's a cool one you can collect mystery gifts without booing up the game you can just open the app and do it, and then oh, it'll be in cool. the game. So there's, like, a lot of cool stuff. Like, it's really well, actually, actually a solid companion One app. of the 
best things about it for sure. And this was like very apparent with Pokemon Bank. Yeah. Um, after you beat the game, like if you do want to make like competitively viable Pokemon, and you know, like part of the crux of this game and the previous one was, like, so you don't have to breed Pokemon to get perfect stats or like the perfect HP. Right. You could just get a golden bottle cap. I think that's what they're called, gold golden caps, and it'll just automatically max out that stat, so you don't have to bog bother with like breeding over oh, hundred nice. of them. Yeah. But those are cost a ton of battle points. And to get battle points, you have to do a lot of grinding in the whatever the battle tower equivalent You're gonna is. You're going to love on Bowser. No, I I know. That's sort of literally what I was talking okay, about. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in po- yeah, and in Pokemon Bank like every time you transfer Pokemon, you would get a lot of BP for doing that and this game just does the same thing too. Like you're yeah, going to get a lot of BP points. from that. So mm. If anything, that's probably like my biggest like incentive to get to getting this is just that whoa, it's gonna make getting BP so much easier. It re- like really like this app is exactly what I think we all hope Nintendo Switch Online app would actually be. Jeez. Like this level of who's developing stuff. that? Uh, well, Game Freak and Pokemon Company are in okay. So so hopefully this will be competent. Yes, and but there is there is a bit of because it's Game Freak, there is a bit of nickel and diming coming in because uh, this thing Pokemon Bank costs five dollars a year. This will cost fifteen a year, or five for three months, or three dollars a month. So, which I feel like are numbers that we mentioned before on the podcast, but now they're like locked in. Uh, and there is one feature that's paywalled. If you want the ability to have your Pokemon rated with a judging feature, that will I assume give some info on their stats and stuff in cryptic ways. Uh, you have to upgrade to do that. But like, it seems like actually a pretty good deal. But for Nintendo, they get to triple dip because like. Even if only a percentage of people that use this app are gonna go ahead and down, you know, pay, they can slap upgrade prompts all over this thing and get some money out of people that they wouldn't otherwise if these features were just in the, in the normal game. Which I think is what some people have a problem with is these are features that were in the normal game minus the bank, the the point, the bow points, and they've now pulled them out of that and put them in a separate app and bombarded it with prompts to upgrade and paywalled a few of the more bulk actions. So I can see why some people would be disappointed, but um, it seems like it's pretty good for like your day to day at a free level, right, Angel? Like that's what, yeah. that's what you're saying. So definitely, that, I just have to see if the BP, like you know, the amount of BP you get is affected by not having a subscription. But right, actually, it probably is because I'm sure you get a certain number of BP for every Pokemon you put in. And so you're you're capped basically. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's and that's basically what I'm getting at with all this though, like with Pokemon Home and with Smash and everything, is that Nintendo has figured out not just how to do well with software, but how to monetize the post-pay world and do it in a way that isn't too horrible. Like, their mobile games, they have not figured it out. But on their consoles and with stuff like this, like, it seems like they figured out a way to basically do a long tail of money printing. And, like, it, it makes sense. Like, between April and now, there were 21 Switch games that were million sellers. That's first and third party. And they basically found the sweet spot because you have the likes of Astral Chain selling a million copies. You have the likes of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 selling a million copies. And maybe not every single one has to have a double dip or a triple dip or eventual quadruple dips. You don't need a subscription service or DLC. Like, you know, uh, Astral Chain doesn't have DLC. Marvel does have DLC. But it's such easy money for Nintendo. And their digital sales are up 50% year over year as a result. Like, people are giving them the money. It's working. So if it means, like, cool ways for us to get mystery gifts easier, like, no complaints here. Um, what what, what does more mystery gifts. Right? That'd be rate. nice. What, what does make... What is kind of odd to me is that for all this super positive, like, first-party news that Nintendo's been sharing... 
um, the third party scene while much improved compared to past Nintendo systems. Like, need I remind you of all the ports we talked about last episode? But anyway, even with that being better, we're still stuck in this weird third-party rut that I don't think Nintendo's ever going to fully get out of. Still and, no confirmed Final Fantasy VII Remake for Switch? Correct. And also, Ooh, that's EA decided to talk again about what they think of the Switch. <laughs> and it's always weird when they decide to talk, because EA continues to be one of the biggest publishers in the world and basically not support the currently best-selling system in the world, which is odd. Like, to be fair, they did give us a real FIFA, and then they gave us a cheap roster update of a FIFA, and then they gave us an indie game called Fee, and then they gave us the co-op game uh, Unravel 2, which, Angel, I think you own. I do own that. Have you engaged with the product in any way? Have you played it? (laughs) I've played maybe... 15 minutes of it before I'm like yeah I'm gonna wait until I can play this with my brother ah gotcha so at least at least you showed EA there's an audience maybe not one that's actively engaging with their game but there's an audience that will buy their stuff and yet EA basically gave up on the system we never got a Madden even though it seems like it would be huge like how many Madden fans wouldn't want a way to play it on a plane or a train how many Madden fans do you know uh no I know people that play Madden like coworkers and stuff Oh, anyway, I was waiting for a number. Oh, I don't know. I literally asked how many. Uh, oh, fans oh, do you know? uh, I don't know. Not do you know my man? Like I could think of two off the top of my head. You mean it sound like it was way more? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the point is, why? Like it's weird that you can't play Madden on the go on Switch. It seems like such an obvious easy. It's maddening. Literally, it's maddening. Literally, the only way to do anything NFL related on the Switch right now is um, there's a Super Bowl event inside Fortnite. That's the only way you can do anything with football on your Switch, which is kind of odd. And yet EA just doesn't seem to care. You can play rugby and Mario and Sonic. And that's not American football. I know, but it's close. It's close, but it's not. Uh, but yeah, that, and that's why I said NFL, not just football, because I thought you'd be like, well, soccer is football in Europe, so. But um, yeah, EA just doesn't seem to care. It's weird. They were asked about it on their financial conference call earlier this week, and they gave this weird non-answer where they're like, as the platform grows, our interest in adding content grows for that platform. But we're also conscious of the fact that top-selling titles by a long shot are all Nintendo software, which is fabulous software, but it helps us balance the realities of how big our markets could be there. Which, like, he's not exactly wrong. On some level, he's right. The top 10 is always first-party Nintendo games, but 21 million sellers. I just said a few minutes ago there are 21 million sellers since April on Switch. Some of those are third-party in fact, Furukawa was saying in Nintendo's own briefing that third-party game sales since April, the start of this fiscal year, are up 50% compared to a year ago. In 2019, there were more than there were 400 more games released on Switch than PS4 and Xbox One combined. And, and that's courtesy of our favorite name drop, Matt uh, Piscatello of MPD. He's the one that posted that stat. What's he doing? But, uh, well, he's sharing stats, so I assume good as ever. Huh. But yeah, he... Uh, he was saying there were over 1,480 new games on Switch in 2019. GDC just did a survey of developers. 19% of them plan to bring their next game to Switch. 17 are bringing their current game to Switch. So to hear, like, know all that and then hear EA go, nah, we don't see a reason to make games on Switch. Just doesn't make sense to me when that many other people <laughs> clearly really see a reason to make games on Switch. I had a conversation with Matt Piscatello. Yes, you did on yeah. Twitter. Why did you ask him? You said, It was something from the podcast. I remember. It was, let's see, hello, Mr. Piscatello. You don't read the whole let's thing. See, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could. Wow, that's a lot. Um, yeah, that's, wasn't it just like... A... It was just about digital download codes and Oh, if they're ca- how they're counted, right? I think now they are, right? Digital uh, full... Certain publishers, yes, certain publishers. Digital no. full Nintendo game sales on PSN, Xbox, and Steam are included. But not Nintendo. Uh, and some 
Download cards are counted as accessories. Yeah, like if you buy oh, the, the eShop, co- like if you buy the credit, like thirty dollars oh, okay, for the yeah. eShop. Yeah. But anyway, my point is like all these companies get why Switch matters, and EA is just like nah, which is weird because like I get they're a small publisher, but EA they're one of the biggest publishers in the world. It's not like their games are gonna get lost in the shuffle. Like if you're an indie, sure, but EA is big. EA will make waves. EA will get attention. Why are they not? I don't know. Like, does it bother anyone else that, like, the other biggest publishers in the world that makes actually some cool games that make sense on Switch just Not don't really. support it? No, I, no, I guess I'm just there, okay. there's <laughs> only There's only one EA game that I've bought in maybe, like, the last five years. Yeah. 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 What, what was it? Uh, Star Wars Fallen Order, uh, the one that just okay. came out. Yeah. Yeah, and I only got on Rebel like because the I was given a bunch of gift cards for Christmas, and I was like, well, it's a co-op game. I didn't even... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just to me, like, it seems so that we have Fortnite, we have Overwatch, but we don't have Apex Legends. We have stuff like Splatoon, okay, but we yeah, don't have Plant vs. Zombies. Yeah, that's the one that's... We have stuff like Civ, but we don't have Sims. Like, it's just there's so many things that, like, they that style works on the Switch, but yeah, I mean, like, we're funny, not actually... like, it does feel weird that those games aren't on the Switch, but I wouldn't buy them even if they were. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I buy all three I just mentioned, but like just conceptually, no, 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 it's yeah, so the, weird. To yeah, that's me. what I said. Yeah, yeah like, it's weird yeah. that they're not on there, but I wouldn't buy them anyway. So maybe they do have a point. I think it's just because it might EA might not see it like it might see it more as a handheld than the than just a full blown console, especially with the power differential between these and the other consoles I and the PC platform. Something there, yeah, and they've already like I have a coworker. Whenever I see him on his phone, he's playing Madden, so they don't. They don't necessarily need they don't, it yeah, they are, to play on your iPhone. Yeah, so. I guess that's a good point. And another spot where I see where EA is maybe coming from is like, it, if they if they get the timing wrong on the Switch releases, if they, you know, if they don't day and date it, um, it's possible the game's just going to outright bomb. Because like, I mean, if, even if you look at companies who do support the Switch, it's a little bit of the same old song and dance of how Nintendo always gets stuff late. Gets stuff late. Like, we don't get games in tandem with other systems which on some level is a hindrance to success of these games on Switch. Like, don't get me wrong, the fact that these games are now portable is a good reason for people to buy again, and many do. Like, lots of third parties have obviously found success. But when your games are at least close together, it seems like it's just limiting the Switch version's reach or potential reach. Because, like, um, the, the take Outer Worlds, for example. So the Outer Worlds came out, you talked about it on the show in, like, October, and you're saying, yeah, it's kind of Switch. They set a date for March 6th, so that's soon. Uh, it's gonna be digital only with physical copies. They're just a box with download code. That's not really relevant, just in case anyone needed to know. But uh, At least they're doing it. What? What? At least they're doing it. Yeah. No, but the, what I was gonna say is like March six is not that far from October, and in that time you can get on PC, Xbox, PlayStation. It's part of Xbox Game Pass, which a lot of po- folks right now are paying a dollar introductory rate oh, for. Yeah. Oh, it's almost about Wargroove, but then he, you told them oh, it was yeah, on the Game Pass. Yeah, exactly. They so proceeded like, not to buy it so and like just how, played it on Well, them. to that exact point, how many people are actually going to double dip on Outer Worlds six months after they may have first bought it on another platform or, or when it's on or Game or Pass I may not even months. know they own it. Right, and then like like a game like Bioshock Collection, which we mentioned last episode is rumored for Switch. Another rating board is now confirming it, uh, the Korean rating board this time. But that works because it's been years since folks played that game. So the second purchase with the plus portability makes sense. Same reason Skyrim did well when it came out on Switch years later. Same reason Doom 2016 or whatever year it came out, um, came out on Switch. But like six months, I can't see very many people being like, oh, I just bought that, let me double dip. And it's it's why like it's kind of disheartening to hear that Doom Eternal for Switch has now been delayed beyond the other re- versions too. Those come out March twentieth. Switch one is 
sometime in the future. Are they? Is they Doom coming it. March 20th? Because I could have sworn it got delayed past March. No, I think it's still March. It, yeah, all the memes are Doom and Animal Crossing are the only games coming out on time. And it's like Isabel and Doom guy hanging out. I'm pretty sure. Double check it. But um, like on one level, um, actually to that point, on one level maybe they maybe they delayed the Switch version because they know every Switch owner is going to be playing Animal Crossing on March 20th and they don't want to conflict. No, but yeah, no, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, um, I think it it is saying the delay won't be a huge one for Doom Eternal, uh, on Switch. But they're also not giving a date, which is always mysterious. But the reason behind the delay is uh. Like, they're necessarily trying to make the best game possible, which is nice. They basically want to finish the other version up, hand over that final code to Panic Button, and let them do their thing and give them time to do their thing. And they're kind of really close to hit the March date, so whatever. I get that. And they're also not just going to keep it so that it's day and date with the Switch version. Right. But if you're a Doom fan, how long are you willing to wait for that extra little portability? If you can play Eternal in March on, say, your PS4 or Xbox, or wait till hypothetically May for the Switch version, like, how many people are going to do that? Probably not many. But at the same time, uh, well, they're always talking about how this is the perfect uh, companion piece. I don't know how many people, let's say Doom were to release day and yeah. date with uh, Switch right. console PC, other consoles and yeah, PC. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many people would be like, yeah, I'm going to get the Switch version. It's that's the a fair por- point because it's a big graphical showcase. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The footage but, is because you only but the only it's real literally option. right because yeah, it's, it's either the only option or you really care about portability above everything else. But I don't know how many people kind of to your point i don't know how many people are, are gonna be like this i kind of want the portable downgrade was definitely worth me being able to take it into my bathroom i don't think anybody thinks that yeah so it's even but it's an even smaller subset of that that will be like it's so worth it i will not play doom for two more months because someone might be like maybe and they might be hemming and hawing over, well, I travel a lot, so it would be good to have on the plane, or I commute every day I want on the train. But then if they're like, really, if they're like, if they have like a big Doom Guy poster on their wall at their apartment or whatever, are they going to be willing to wait till June when they know all their buddies that like Doom If they have a big Doom Guy poster on their wall, they'll probably double dip anyway. Maybe, maybe. But my point is like... Plenty of people got they, Mortal Kombat 11 on their PS4 and the Switch just because, you know, they yeah. want to have it with the nice graphics and... Right, right. But, but, and there's obviously that audience too, but I guess, I guess what I'm saying is... Wow, Siri, rude. Uh, no, but I was gonna say, I guess there's like the, the it's shrink, it's like diminishing returns. The more and more that this sort of thing happens, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of a bummer. Uh, like maybe, maybe I'm just a Nintendo fan. Uh, I guess you could say it's Doom. Huh? What? It's Doom? No, Nintendo's not Doom. I was just saying, no, maybe, Doom. Uh, I thought I said Nintendo is Doom. The Nintendo Switch copy of Doom. Oh, version Doom. D- which maybe. is a shame because man, that game looks sweet. And I like, and I really like the 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 original Switch one. Um, but maybe, and, and well, it wouldn't affect me because I only own one console. But um, as I say, some of this I think maybe me just being a Nintendo fan suffering from like. Are you getting third... Doom Eternal? I don't know yet, but uh, I um, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, but as I say, some of this maybe me suffering from like third party support PTSD as a Nintendo fan, where like I think anything that could cause companies to pull the rug out from our Nintendo's system, I always assume they're going to do. But, like, you know, there's just a part of me that sees something like Devil May Cry 3 from Capcom, like that port, as one thing. And then these delayed just enough to hurt recent third-party games, but not enough to really, you know, like, that's, like, a whole nother bucket. So, like, I'm not sure if the sales of the latter under the chance of the former or what, but it, it's something that in an ideal world wouldn't be an issue and we get everything day and date, you know? But, but anyway, all that said, why don't we talk about some games that the Switch did get, one of which is from Nintendo by way of Atlas. The other of which I've, is as indie as they come. 
uh, and Kevin, you've been playing both, so I don't know where you want to start. Do you want to start with B Simulator or Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE Encore? Early impressions. Uh, let's Early start impressions. with B Simulator. Okay, so tell us all about B Simulator. We should note that we did get this copy. Yeah, full disclosure. Was, yeah. was it the publisher or the dev that gave it? It this? was someone in there on the PR side of things. So it could have been the publisher's PR, could have been someone working with the dev. I don't remember. Okay, so. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so shout out to, I don't know. <laughs> shout out, it, it, I don't remember. Shout out to, uh, I believe it's pronounced Varsov Game Studios, which are the devs, or Big Ben Interactive. Well, shout out to both of you, regardless. Uh, so right off the bat, the game wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, when you asked me if I wanted code for the game, I was thinking that it was going to be a mix between like Goat Simulator and Mr. Mosquito. And Dude, this Mr. Game, Mosquito would have been great. And if... This game is not that. Uh, so don't go in thinking Mr. Mosquito, Mr. Mosquito 2. And then you had told me that it was an open world game. That's what I was GTA told. style? Yeah. Or that, that's what the devs told you, right? Or, no. or that's who that's who whoever mystery man yeah who's gonna be listening to this because i'm gonna send him a link he's like what is going on in this conversation <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but, so yeah, yeah it, it absolutely is an open world game sort of in the same vein of a gta or ubisoft uh style open world game oh so that was correct okay yeah i was scared for a second <laughs> but it, but it's it doesn't pl- the game doesn't play anything for laughs the same way that a goat simulator does it's like it's a quirky game but it's not supposed to be a ridiculous so how yeah. serious is the simulator concept of bee simulator is it actually like you're you're, you're pollinating pollinating and... so and... so you are you are gathering pollen and going back to your going back to the hive but maybe it's not as simulatory as you think it is well for one this game has a story with full voice acting and like Whoa. named characters are all the characters names puns on different types of bees yes you Great. play as a bee named biscuit Wait, biscuit. Biscuit, yeah, like biscuit. Bees. No, I know, but yeah. like I thought it'd be like a, a name pun, not a, a cookie pun. But okay, keep going. Uh, well, yeah, like I mean, Beaverly or something. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, true. I guess. Or uh, Beely for Billy. Or Benjamin. No, no. Benjamin. Benjamin. Right, I said I was gonna stop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. So you play. You play as Biscuit, and uh, your job is to go out into the world, collect pollen, and yeah, then return the to the like hive. The, the FPF view looks. Interesting. The what? The, what? The first person view? Oh, the, the FPS? I said first person view. You said FPS. Yeah, like, there, wait, you're yeah, yeah, there's no shooting. Anyway, you're shooting your stinger. That would be a game. Anyway, sorry, we keep interrupting you. Yeah, so, so you're, you're... So at the start of the game, you're just basically just collecting pollen and then returning to the hive and then dropping off the pollen. Uh, Biscuit does not want to do that. She or he? I'm not too sure. Maybe maybe like Byleth. It's yeah. Then, then decides to get into some hijinks and uh, try to prove to the queen that they can do more than just like collect pollen. Mm-hmm. So the story missions are are pretty much you're introduced to different types of missions, and then those mis- those types of missions will then. Uh, become like the open world will then be become missions that you can do in the open world uh so some of the story missions that you have are just like collecting pollen and then collecting different types of pollens Mm -hmm. uh some have you racing other bees for information on where to get some sweet sweet pollen uh there are missions i wasn't ready for this this game had a battle system (laughs) i was not expecting this with your stinger Uh, with your stinger with your stinger yeah and you you guys are fighting like wasps oh because the wasps are are the jerks of this world uh, that seems true. They seem worse in the real world too. Yeah. Uh, 
the the fighting system is is pretty simplistic, and there there are two modes. The, this game does have like a difficulty slider. Well, mm-hmm. it's not really slider; it's just like switch between hard or harder, or easy. Yeah, and uh, all you're doing is basically alternating between attacking, blocking. Uh, your opponents, your your wasps and will, what have you, yeah, will have like a directional input above their head, and then what you have to do is you have to match that input mm-hmm. while also holding block because that's where they're going to attack you from above or t- from the oh, side I or from see. the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're also making sure that when you attack, you want to attack from overhead and not from the bottom because they might also block. Right. Uh, and you do have health points, so once you hit zero, you restart the encounter like immediately. And I... Wait, with like no prep? You're just back in the battle? Yeah, so oh. like... So like, oh, I'm not going to let you get away with that. And then you're immediately into the encounter. I'm not too sure if you can quit out of it, which was weird. Because, like, I was expecting, like, maybe a game over screen, like, start from, from the nearest checkpoint. But, no, the game just keeps going. Uh, but Interesting. It, yeah, but if that gets a little too difficult, you can actually change, like I said, you could change the difficulty uh, of the game. And then the combat is just pressing X or Y in the order that the game shows you. So mm-hmm. so not not too big of a, of a difference there. You're just not timing. I'm You're timing stuff, but not... To right. the degree that you're timing blocks and stuff like that. Uh, the main game only took me maybe about three or four hours to play. So is that like the the missions that teach you the open world essentially? Right, right. And then, but there are a, like a bunch of side quests that you can partake in. Uh, the world is actually pretty big. I mean, well, when you're B, I guess that's that's as big as you can get. Oh, uh, a small little gripe I had one area where I think they could have improved is like there's no mini map. So odd for no yeah, so you're never too sure where you're at in the world. Uh, that being said, it is uh, the world is splintered off into different discernible areas. Mm-hmm. So like there is a zoo area, there's an amusement park area, there's a lake, and you can fast travel between them. So not not too big of an issue there. Right. Uh, right. Oh, I forgot. You can get caught into sp- in spider webs, and then you have to get out of them before the spider eats you. So how you do that? Actually, sounds like is that like a timer? How's that work? Yeah, it's it's like a little slider, like like let's say, I guess like what, a golfing what, game, like exactly yes, oh. and you have to get it like at the like oh on the green, yeah. full of, so, full so it's basically yeah. Mario Golf but with a B, pretty much. And oh, man, I'm kind of afraid of spiders, so I I was just trying to get out of there <laughs> yeah. because like, and there's a time where you have to get it within like a minute, sure. some forty five seconds, right? And you just see the spider legs like slowly closing in on you. I'm like, I don't want any of that, but so. <laughs> Sorry. So I was never, I was never eaten. Well, the game is relatively easy. Mm-hmm. I do recommend playing this on the TV because for the a majority of it, I was playing in handheld mode, and the game ran fine and everything. But then there was a race that I just could not oh. be in handheld mode, so I docked it so I could play with pro controller. Was I mean, it like I, obstacles were just really small on the screen, or like what? what no, was stopping it was. It? Uh, or do you just honestly, need your honestly, hands honestly, like together? the sticks. Yeah. So then I played it with a pro controller. I mean, I guess I could have just played a handheld with a pro controller anyways, but the game looked much more vibrant. Something about handheld mode, I don't know if it was my brightness or... But it just looked kind of washed out. Hmm. And then it was almost like I added like 60, 60 backlights to, to my TV. <laughs> like, That's like, like these rings that you go in through races uh-huh. were blue in handheld mode but they were green oh. on the TV mode strange yeah uh, the controls are, are 
I mean, they're fine. They're they're not doing wait, anything were, revolutionary. Were the rings like wave? Did you ever play Wave Race? If you're going through wing, the rings, rings, it reminds me of like Wave Race. You have to. Like think Superman sixty four, okay. <laughs> but, but better. <laughs> yeah, but better. Okay. For for one, this one controls actually like like good. it should. Yeah, yeah. It's not doing anything revolutionary, but right. controlling stuff in like a three D space can be cumbersome. Sure. Yeah. And I think the the devs did a pretty good job of of having you control this be. Uh, I mean, I had a good time with it. I it's a it's a charming little game. Uh, definitely one for like. I guess younger gamers should get their feet wet to like mm. open game mm-hmm. open world games. GTA without the yeah and, the and adult content. It is a it is a very educational uh, and the loading screens are like some like really nice artwork of like like close up of bees or like and it'll give you like little little bee facts. Hmm. At one point in the game, you come across a spoiler alert. You come across like a, a robot that you follow. And then it's actually like a drone because, like in oh. real life, people oh that's, people are yeah, using little drones yeah. to pollinate. Because yeah. if you don't know, the bees are dying, and we need the bees. And this game is good. I don't I'll think this game the word. Yeah, I don't think this game ever brings that up. But I don't know why they would. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that would be kind of dark. Yeah, it's like, like hey, we're all bees, dying. and like also, I'm the last one of my kind. Yeah, so I I had fun with it. It is 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 rare that you get like an open world game that's like so like like different from because a lot of them follow the same like tropes, right? And this seems to break that, so that's kind of cool, right? I mean, like I said, there you do have a a a handful of different uh, of different like missions that you can do, right? Right, but you're not like a human or a or. Or I a, guess a, a hacker hacking Chicago and or San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a it was a fun little twist on the on right. the open world that's idea. Cool. Yeah. So that's B Simulator. That's B Simulator. And then you've also been playing, oh boy. or you've been starting to play. This is your passion game here, right? Tokyo Mirage Session Ugh. Sharp F-E, F-E Encore. Encore. Okay. So whenever you feel that I'm I'm getting too lost here, just Wait, feel free me. to tap. Are you just gonna ramble okay. for like twenty minutes? Because I do that for two hours every episode, so I have no say in this. <laughs> okay, so this type of game is something I'm a little bit more familiar with. Mm-hmm. If you guys have followed me on the podcast, you guys know that I love my JRPGs. And your persona. And my persona. And I'm going to do my best to not bring a persona at all in this. Just Shin we should have a buzzer every time. Just Shin Megami Tensei. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's not technically Persona. That's, yeah. It's Shin Megami. But, but Persona technically was Shin Megami Tensei. Right. Up until, uh, anyways, I'm not getting into this. Uh, Isn't there a Joker costume in this thing? There is. Yes, there is. So uh, <laughs> I feel like you just spoiled that for him. No, no, no. I, I knew about that. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, the trailer. I know. It's yeah, in all the marketing. So this is a part of the original release that came out in 2015 Japan, 2016 in the States. On you, the Wii U. On the Wii U. Yes. Yeah. I no, never had I, it might come out yeah, to sixteen. So yeah, yeah. I I never had a I never had a Wii U, so I never got to play it, so I was really excited to play this. Mm-hmm. Uh for those of you who don't know, this is supposed to be a crossover between Fire Emblem and Shin Megami Tensei, at least that's how it was like re- announced. <laughs> the reveals showed something yeah. completely different. Yeah. But anyways, those are two series that I enjoy. And then like I said, it was finally revealed and I th- think a lot of people really caught off by how bright and cheery it is and pop music centric it was (laughs) considering the serious nature of like fire emblem and the gritty like the dark grittiness of of shimagami sensei uh 
I'm just going to refer to it as SMT from now on because Shin Megami Tensei is not something that I like saying rolls off that the rolls tongue. off the tongue. Yeah, you uh, could also just say Persona. No, I know, I know. No. <laughs> I, you'll see. You'll see why I'm okay. going to say Persona. Okay. Uh, man, this game is super fun. Like, oh, man. Okay, so you play. You play as, and I'm not sure if they're like teenagers or high schoolers, but they're they're like young adults. We'll say sure. But you play as this cast of characters in modern Tokyo, Japan. This is in a fictional setting. You're you're playing. You're 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 in Tokyo. You're you're crossing through Shibuya Crossing. Oh, okay. okay. You're going to Shinjuku, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. And in Tokyo, there's been some strange phenomena going around where entertainers, for those of you who don't know, in Japan they're called idols, and idols range anywhere from singers, dancers, movie stars, that kind of stuff. Uh, this is a Japanese as hell game. Just FYI. <laughs> uh, so all these idols are mysteriously disappearing. Uh-huh. Uh, really early on, you learn that this is happening because these evil spirits known as Mirages are infiltrating Tokyo, hence Tokyo Mirage. We'll get to the sessions in a little bit. And the Sharp Effie. Uh, and they, Encore. Yeah, they they are the reasons behind these uh, disappearances. Mm-hmm. And let me get to the part where this gets real, real anime. <laughs> These mirages are trying to steal Performa. Not to be confused with. Not to be confused with Persona. Performa. Performa. Uh, which Someone is. Someone at Nintendo's treehouse is like, guys, I got it. Performa. And then bought lunch for everyone. So Performa. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they never do that. But Performa is energy that everybody has locked inside of them. Even us? Even us. Even wow. you and me. We have Persona. Wow. You know, we have Performa. We have, we're, <laughs> do you struggle to Performa, Jason? Uh, okay. So, anyways. Uh, where was I? I just got lost. Persona, Performa. Uh, You're talking about Performa. Anyways. Everybody, it's all in us. Anyways. Uh, we are Performa. The main cast used their own Performa mm-hmm. to summon characters mm-hmm. from the Fire Emblem games. So this was the prototype of Fire Emblem Heroes, essentially. Where no, some no, other characters. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, you are using these Fire Emblem good mirages to fight the evil mirages in dungeons that appear all over Japan. This is very anime. And oh man, the combat is way more SMT than it is the Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. And let me just bring this out: the connections to Fire Emblem in this game pretty much end there. Because, like, the main character, uh, Itsuki, mm-hmm. his performa, or his Fire Emblem character, mm-hmm. is Krom. Okay, yeah. But he looks nothing like Krom. He's just named all. Krom. He just does named he Krom. The same color and I'm hair? guessing it's blue he hair. He does. Yeah, so the blue yes. hair. Yeah. That's literally it, but he looks nothing like Krom. It's like when you go from, like, Final Fantasy VII uh, Cloud, and then you go to Kingdom Hearts Cloud, which looks nothing mm, like... Right, right. Yeah. It's like all stylized and... Yeah. 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 Aside from that... That's the, probably why they don't put the full Fire Emblem name on the game and just say F.E. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like uh, Tharge is in there. From, Tiki's from, in Yeah, Tiki's in there. Uh, Seda, which was from the original Fire Emblem game, which I, I think... Like the never, one that never came here? Yeah, the, the one that... Yeah. yeah. We got it. On the DS, so the remake. Eventually, but... Oh, yeah, but we didn't get like the original. Well, yeah, but I mean... Wait, which one Which one was that one? On DS. Echoes. 
No. Oh, on the DS. Yeah, on the oh. DS. We got like an actual like a remake of the Sa- NES uh, game. Uh, Sacred Sword. No, one of one of them. Dragon. No, the I don't know. I forgot what it was called, but it was literally they made a 3DS version of the NES game with updated visuals and what have you. Wait, yeah. so it wasn't Echoes? Yeah, that was Echoes because no. they had the dungeon crawl. No, oh, no, that, 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 that's that, the second one. That, that, that's a remake of the second game. This is there's too many Fire Emblems, just like there's too many Fire Emblem Swordsman and Smash. Okay. Anyway, I think it's called like the Dragon something. Okay, the Dragon Stone. Dragon Sacred No, Remake DS. Sorry, this is going Shadow Dragon. There you go. Shadow Dragon. SD? Why wouldn't it be Dragon Shadow? Because they already had like three on DS at that point, I think. Whatever, I guess. Anyways, the the let me get into the combat a little bit. They didn't have any on the three. Wait, that's the only one they had on the DS. Yeah. Because they were too busy with that other combat game. Advance Wars? Yeah, Dual Strike and Days of Ruin. Yeah, I love Advance Wars. I want. I didn't like Days of Ruin as much. No, I feel like it got a little too yeah melodramatic. It needed to be funny and lighthearted. Yeah, Shadow Dragon. Nope. Yeah, that was the only one that came to America. There's also New Mystery of the Emblem. Anyways. Sorry. Okay. Now I'm the one interrupting. So, so aside from these cr- this Krom and other Fire Emblem characters, sure. literally they're just generic like anime yeah. knights yeah. with Fire Emblem names slapped on them. Uh, <laughs> because the combat is nothing like Fire Emblem, like tactical or anything. Mm-hmm. This resembles uh, a Shin Megami Tensei game way more. The closest that this game comes to like Fire Emblem combat is that the type of weapons that you're using are swords, spears, axes, arrows as your main weapons against enemies. Mm. And you're also using elemental skills that your Performa Fire Emblem Rogers man, don't look at me like that. I just so smiling. We, <laughs> so we planning to further this ended up just being more of a Shin Megami Tensei kind of game? I mean, I like both of the series, mm. but considering that, yeah, I've been waiting for Shin Megami Tensei 5 for a while now. It's, and you'll it's, keep playing because they haven't said anything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you're using those those weapons, the the weapon wheel yeah. stuff. Triangle, yeah. yeah, and uh, is it a weapon triangle or is That's it what weapon? they called it? Yeah, they called uh, it triangle. Except they added some stuff recently. So. Yeah, they originally called it the triangle. Yeah. Yeah. So aside from that, you're using your standard JRPG stuff, uh, your elemental skills, fire, ice, wind, mm-hmm. that that sort of stuff, and the combat is standard turn based. You go, maybe another party member, which I shouldn't call them party members. You'll see why. Because uh, they're fellow stars of the stage. You're you're actually pretty close to oh, that. Okay, <laughs> but but aside from that, what like similar to other RPGs, you're trying to exploit enemy weaknesses. So mm-hmm. if an enemy's weak to fire, well, obviously you're gonna want to use a fire skill. Where the combat gets interesting is with the introduction of session attacks. That's where the session comes in. Mm. All right, so this like might... a music studio session. Yes, so session attacks are a string of skills. Okay. Okay. Now f- follow me here. So if an enemy is weak to a fire skill, the first, let's say, let's say we are the party members. Okay. 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 Let's say that phone is an enemy. The phone is in front and of us, everyone. And it's weak to fire. Okay. You use a fire skill. Yes. I have a session skill, not a regular skill, mm-hmm. a session skill called fire sword. Okay. Which then... You already triggered the fire. Yeah. Oh, fire sword. I triggered the sword. sword. Let's say this guy has a sword ice session yeah. skill. I retriggered the, the the sword. Yep. Now he's going to trigger the ice. 
I see. So you all do it together. You're it's all like doing it together. Forming a band and playing music. Sure. Just to keep the music theme going here. Yeah. Or forming Megazord tickets. So essentially, so so that's pretty much what you're doing, okay. and you're and you're unlocking more skills as you level up. Uh, you have to level up weapons. Weapons are the ones that hold the skills, mm-hmm. and then as you level them up, you you slot them into, and like there's a bunch of different combinations of session skills. I'm assuming that you can go, you can make a bunch of, uh, I guess they're not really called links, but like, I'm I'm assuming you can go pretty far deep into it because so far I've only unlocked skills that let me do like a three combo. So I'm assuming further. Right, head, I'll be going, doing like be... 15 right, right. like a 15 hit combo yeah uh, that makes sense it's so satisfying to do these these uh, chain of attacks like on enemies mm-hmm. because they're it's like really flashy it's really quick uh, aside from that you can do these special <laughs> it's so ridiculous <laughs> you're you're doing these, uh, embracing, <laughs> these special performance attacks which are just stronger attacks yeah. and then every now and then you can use whenever you use like a skill Mm-hmm. You'll trigger an ad lib, which is a stronger skill that will trigger a small little cutscene. So a final smash. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Like they do, yeah. they do a bunch of damage. Oh, in these dungeons, I forget that you're wearing these incredibly flashy pop like singer outfits, and the fighting arenas are actual like concert stadiums, arena. like concert yeah. arenas, like in like in Sword and Shield. Like you're performing in front of an audience whenever I, you're playing cool. this game. I would love to be seeing in the room when Atlas goes to Nintendo and goes, So, you want us to do something with Fire Emblem. So let's introduce you to this trio of pop stars. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> so so from my understanding they actually did have to get a like a real talent agency in Japan. Oh really? To like help out with the development of this. Right, right. And like That's so funny. The whole game revolves around like performing, right? And the small little touches it adds to the game are like really clever, and I really, really like like. Mm-hmm. So like your party isn't called a party in this game as it is in, art- in other RPGs. Right. They're called artists. Of course. When you choose when you choose uh, which artist you want to go into your party, the menu the menu title is casting, and you have a main cast and your subcast. Your equipment in yeah. this game isn't called equipment. It's called your wardrobe. When you start a brand new game, the option isn't new game. It's debut. This is, I'm glad they went like that all in with the theme. Yeah, they went all in. It all like revolves around the entertainment business. Yeah. I wonder if that's as deep as it goes, though. I'm I'm still fairly early into the game. I, right. I just beat the first dungeon, and I still haven't gotten... I mean, I've gotten some side quests... Uh, where you learn a little bit more about your fellow cast members, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see. And they're they're don't go that deep. There is an issue with the side quest that I wonder going further into the game if that becomes an issue. I'll I'll update this whenever sure, I'm, I'm yeah. 60 hours into this. But I mean, so far I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, I, really, I really like how they're going all in with that because it, it shows. Like I say, it's, I've said this for other games and things before. But like when a when a developer is that comfortable with really running with it and like replacing typical menu names or things, that's a con- there's a confidence level that comes with that, right? And there's a pride in the product and a guarantee that they they are very comfortable that this works, like this whole system. Right. Works. It sounds like it does based on what you're saying. Right. And like that confidence, like translates well into the game. Right. Like, uh, it isn't cynical. 
as I mean, like, yeah, there are some dark story moments, but I mean, when a- you're when you're when you're like crossing the streets of Shibuya, uh, all the although like mindless NPCs, they could have just been like silhouettes, mm-hmm. but like they're different co- they're different colors. Oh, than this. That's it's like it's yeah, a nice like, little, touch. little touches. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, I've seen like screenshots. It looks really pretty. It, it has a very cool mm-hmm. look. Yeah. yeah. I've been I've been mainly playing this on handheld mode, uh, just because you know it's a RPG. I've been playing Pokemon on handheld as well. Right. It's not the best looker up on like on the TV, considering this is a 2015 game. Sure, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, the art style definitely helps it out a lot. I'm I'm digging this game, man. I I cannot say enough good things about it. Maybe that'll turn with like the second dungeon, but I mean, <laughs> but as of now, so far so good. As not so far so good. It's a little on the easy side. Uh, it's very easy to heal your party members. Did mm-hmm. it have an option for hard difficulty in the beginning, or you're kind of stuck with a default until potentially? I no, do they you... call it difficulty, or do they come up with some weird? No, it, it, it was difficulty. Uh, I did choose the hard difficulty, and you could switch it whenever you want. Hmm. Which yeah, it's it's really easy to to just uh, bring your characters up to 100% like mana is called energy points in this game and it's a uh, it's difficult to combine like Shimigami Tensei 4 or even Persona how did they like, not call the mana star power because uh, like uh, like stage well, 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 star, star, well, star power sounds like something you used to like build up like an ultimate meter like mana digitally yeah, just your I guess your exhaustible resource yeah I guess uh, yeah Star power could have worked. Yeah, they could call it star power. But but like, like your your, your, your energy pro- level but, for like your stage performance. Yeah. Like well, star uh, power do you have? Cause, and, cause as know, you, and as you whittle down your star power, why not? Well, 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 like, worse on stage. I mean, I've, I've played other games where they've literally used the word star power, and it's usually used like as like their star power, like their ability. Yeah, but or they're like changing the, everything. Anyway, I know, so. I know. But I'm just, I'm just saying. I get what you're saying. It's just hard for you're me right, to associate right. it as something else. You're right. But yeah, that's those are my initial impressions so far. Nice. Uh, you'll have to keep us posted in future episodes. If yeah, man. Up. Man, this game is is Japan as hell. There's <laughs> yeah, it there's looks like it. Cut yeah. scenes of like, there's full blown music videos in this thing. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, it's impressive it's for sure. Impressive. Well, I don't know if you have an update for us in our next episode, but our next episode is in two weeks' time on February sixteenth. So grind away or dance away or whatever it is you do in this game. But uh, it turns like what the word for it is. But uh, yeah, no, it it sounds. It's not like it's gonna be a super dancing hit. games, by the way. The Persona dancing games now. Oh. Uh, the Vita, right? They're for Vita. They're for Vita, and, and they PS4. they all came out on PS4. Yeah. Oh. I don't think I have the guts to be playing all that stuff in <laughs> my household. This, be, this is gonna be your gateway drug. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, something really quickly that yeah. doesn't really matter. This game only has a, uh, a Japanese dub. Interesting. It doesn't have an English sub. Really? Which I thought was weird. Nintendo? Doesn't the Wii U have an English sub? I thought it did. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it know. doesn't. I don't think I don't it know. does. I but... doubt they would not reuse it. Hmm. So yeah, it probably didn't. Yeah. I, so I it really that, is I Japan. That, is, yeah. I, I found that really be. strange. So. That is kind of strange. Well, well, I mean, it helps with the immersion. I mean, if it's said in Japan yeah, and everyone's speaking true. English, I mean, it's not very realistic, I guess. Well, I mean... I don't think Damn much it. of this game's Persona. Very Persona has an English dub. Oh, yeah. But well, not only that, and you. But Nintendo localized this one, so some of the characters will say something in battle, and it won't get translated. So I have no idea what the hell they're saying. <laughs> oh, that's it's, a little it's odd. So, that's yeah, a little it's odd. odd. Yeah. But yeah. Well, on that note, I guess that does it for this episode. Unless there's anything I'm forgetting, gentlemen. Um, 
doesn't sound like it. So like I said, we'll be back on February <laughs> nope. 16th. Uh, we'll, of course, have the latest Nintendo happenings, what we're playing, maybe some more Tokyo Mirage session, maybe not. Um, but yeah, to make sure you don't miss it, you can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on every podcasting app known in this universe. We're talking Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, YouTube, our channel is RamNintendo.com. You can follow us individually on Twitter for thoughts on video gamey things and other things. I am JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O, and Kevin is KVN Gomez. And on that note, we turn, as always, to Kevin for the final word. It is 1.19 in the morning. I am tired. 